if you know anything about the history of the the subject and and whatever's behind it, it is not logical at all. Yeah. At all. At all. At all. It doesn't do anything in any kind of logical order that we would expect ever. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one of those inconclusive things where. You can have 500 cameras on something, and people still aren't going to care. I mean, people that that determine what we're how we're supposed to think about things. I mean, the academia and uh, pundits and scientists and and the media. If they don't believe it and they don't care, nobody else is going to care because nobody's put that stamp on it and says you should be. This is important. You should pay attention to it. I'm calling for a good flap. That's all. I, 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 I've, I will get right behind you yeah. with that one and vote the same. Like a sustained one, you know. Good Six months, just like that would be fine. That would do something, maybe. We need more people sitting out there making out in cars and going, ah! <laughs> down the road. That's always a good thing. If you're, you know, a noted author on the 2012 theory, uh, update your resume. <laughs> And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. What is going on, my friends? This is Tim Banal of BanalofAmerica.com, with another edition of BOA Audio Season 6. I hope all the awesome BOA Audio listeners out there had a fantastic New Year's as well as holiday season. Now let's kick off the first BOA Audio of 2012. It is time once again for another traditional edition of the program as we close the book on 2011 and peer into the abyss of 2012 with our old pal Greg Bishop. As you can imagine, we're going to be looking back at the events of the past year with a focus on ufology. We're going to discuss the Jerusalem UFO sighting, the White House disclosure petitions, the Phil Imbrogno imbroglio, the passing of Bud Hopkins and Gabe Valdez, Annie Jacobson's Area 51 book, which became a bestseller, the NASA Orbs revelation, and a handful of other weird happenings from 2011. And if you're a long-time listener to the program, you're familiar with our conversations with Greg Bishop, so it should be no surprise to you that we're going to journey down a wealth of side roads as we really ponder the big-picture nature of UFOs disclosure and ufo research we don't just get tied down to the specifics of these stories we look at what they mean to the ufo enigma as a whole plus as we do every year we're going to pontificate on the ebb and flow of various paranormal genres as we enter a whole new year of esoterica altogether it is a level-headed assessment of where we stand at the beginning of 2012 with regards to unlocking the UFO phenomenon and the current state of the paranormal community as a whole with the brutally honest, thoughtful, and always thought-provoking Greg Bishop. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Greg Bishop, allow me to provide you with a little background on him. In 1991, Greg Bishop co-founded the magazine entitled The Excluded Middle. His writing has appeared in the LA Weekly, 40 in Times, UFO Magazine, and Magical Blend, among others and in the book-length anthologies Conspiracy in Cyberculture, Zen and the Art of the Close Encounters, Kooks, and You Are Being Lied To. In 2005, his book Project Beta was an attempt to set the record straight on the Paul Benowitz disinformation saga. 
His third and newest title, Weird California, was published in March of 2006, and his podcast, Radio Mysterioso, can be heard live Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific Time at www.killradio.org. And after the program, you can pick up the MP3s and streaming audio of the program at RadioMysterioso.com. And you spell that R-A-D-I-O-M-I-S-T-E-R-I-O-S-O.com. Or just hop on over to Banal of America and pick up the linkage. And I should also mention and highly recommend that folks head on over to RadioMysterioso.com and pick up the one one twelve edition of the program, the New Year's Day episode which featured me on the show only a handful of days before we taped this edition of BOA Audio kind of serves as the unofficial part one of our year in review so if you want to hear even more of the conversation that you're going to hear on this installment of the program pick up the January 1st 2012 edition of Radio Mysterioso for a whole bunch more conversation between me and Greg on 2011 and 2012. With all that said, let's get down to business, my friends, and rock and roll. This interview was recorded on January 4th, 2012. Greg Bishop joins us for a discussion on ufology in 2011 and where things are headed in the new year on BOA Audio Season 6. Ladies and gentlemen, 2011 has ended. It is now 2012, and of course that means only one thing, our annual year in review I guess you could call it a bitch fest at this point. Are you a year in review bitch fest? And uh, with me, this is the fourth year you've done this. Unfortunately, our other good buddy, Nick Redfern, couldn't make it. He's traveling with his family and stuff. He's seeing family. He puts family above UFOs, folks. I don't know what that's all about. But what? I know. I know. Come on. So work. <laughs> on the other hand, of course, uh, here for the fourth year now of recapery, if that's even a word, which I'm sure it isn't, is our, our long-time buddy still going for that most appearances record. I think you hold it, actually, yeah, and adding on to it. Really? I couldn't believe it. I, I haven't been on all year, and I still hold it. Amazing. Baseball special. Yeah. It's like the steroids of our of our tally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, he really needs no introduction. Of course, he's the author of Project Beta. He's the host of the outstanding program Radio Mysterioso, which I was actually just on like three days ago, and he is uh, one of the original... UFO Mystics, and check that out at ufomystic.com. Of course, he's the illustrious Greg Bishop. What's up, buddy? Well, uh, I think we still have reams of stuff to talk about, even though we talked a couple nights ago. I just posted that last night, if you saw. Yeah, people should go and check that out, because it was uh, we taped it on, on New Year's night, the first day of the year, and I was full of piss and vinegar about uh, the new year and excited. I'm still excited, but, you know, the excitement wanes and <laughs> <laughs> You're so, so much more slick on your show because when I was when I was uh, listening back to the show, both of us were kind of thinking ahead of ourselves and going, uh, 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 and also there's the uh, and well, you know what I'm saying, and uh, you know it's it, and I cut a few of those out so we sound a little bit more professional. Oh, that's nice of you. <laughs> I did it for you too. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, hopefully, we'll get into the same rhythm here, uh, you know, and really Listen just. Listen to that. We talk shop about uh, paranormal podcasting, which I guess you don't hear too much. Yeah, we do that. We talk about all kinds of stuff. So yeah. it was uh, quite. I was really happy with the conversation. Uh, I was psyched afterwards. So anyway, on with this one. Yes, on to uh, step two, I guess you could say, or part two, or part two 
Uh, and that's the, the year in review here, the UFO year in review. And I've sort of broken down this, the thing again this year like I did last year where I just picked one big story from a bunch of different sort of uh, tent poles instead of going chronologically because we'd end up just stumbling over the same thing. I guess we should talk first a little bit about sort of the the, <laughs> the controversy that was engendered after the 2010 year in review because I have a feeling it's it's it's, you know, at the risk of uh, freaking people out, it's going to be probably a little bit more of the same sort of uh, mentality because the year hadn't really, the year didn't develop anything particularly uh, awesome for ufology, really. You know, it was another uh, year of document releases in the UK and, you know, random UFO sightings that don't add up to much and disclosure pushes that don't really develop into anything and the same stories you hear all the time. Um, so people were very you know, irate about the episode last year. Not really, but only a handful of people. But they, they seemed like they thought we were too cynical about the subject, which I don't really see, you know, if anything, we we really want this thing proven more than anybody. You know, we're, we're diehard really pushing for the answer. So to see the constant uh, malaise and apathy of UFO research, that's what really, uh, you know, I think engenders the cynicism in us. Yeah, well, I think that people that consume the information are a little bit more hopeful than people that try to produce the information. And though I haven't really done too much of that in the last couple of years, except for doing some interviews and very, very light research, um, if you like heavy into it for like what, since 92 or 93, I, well, I've been heavy into it since I was a kid, but you know, like writing about it and doing the magazine and all that, and you go at it for, what, 10, 15 more years? And, well, or somebody like Jim Mosley who's been going at it for, like, what, 50, 60 years? And he feels exactly the same way. Uh, and the, I think the point I'm making is that if you are really looking and really talking to people and really, you know, if you make more than a kind of a uh, uh, reading a bunch of books effort, you get cynical a lot quicker, I, I think. Unless you have some like rigid belief system where you, you know, you and you've got some kind of quixotic thing where I'm going to find the answer and right, it's going right. to be, you know, if if you've got that, then you know, I guess you're just going on belief or something like that. But I, I'm I'm probably more going on hope than belief. I mean, I I think that more. More uh, different ideas and newer ideas and, and forgotten ones, maybe, is probably the most important thing. Uh, ones that don't get too much airplay are, are the ones that give me hope. But, you know, another sighting I, doesn't give me hope. Somebody, like last year, fighting with, with Emma Woods and, and David Jacobs, both Nick and I said, oh, well, we don't care. Well, we don't. We don't really care about that. I'm sorry that Emma Woods was, you know, traumatized. I don't know what kind of person she is. Um, I'm sorry that David Jacobs is is kind of a doofus in the way he does his research or appears to be. Uh, you know, that's too bad. But the reason I don't care is because, it, it, and I'm going to keep coming back to this. One time I I asked Jacques Vallée, and I've said this before, I, I met him, I've met him I think three times. And one, the last time I met him, a few years ago, I, I, he had stopped doing UFO stuff, and I asked him why. And he said it's because he wasn't learning anything anymore. That's what it seems like. If you've been into it for a long time and you've really exposed yourself to as many um, sources of information as possible and, and, and theories and, and researchers, good and bad, and, um, 
and you get to the point where there's you know <laughs> nothing. You're not really much further than where you started, and nobody's telling you anything new. Then, well, how should you feel? You know, I, I I'd like to hear a rebuttal to that um, from somebody that's more hopeful, but. That's how I feel. I, I, like you said, I still have hope for the subject, and I'm still interested in it. But I find, you know, whenever somebody comes up with something new, it's something that's it's not new to me, and it's not new to it's probably not new to you. It's not new to even people like Stan Friedman and Kevin Randall and people like that who have been around forever and like really had their you know gotten their gotten their hands dirty yeah. many many times doing their research and and digging through documents and interviewing people and all that, you know, it's, it, it, they think it's solved, I guess. They think it's extraterrestrials. But Well, the thing is, too. You know, they can, they, I'm sure if they, they, they heard another sighting report, they'd throw up. They, they're sick of that stuff. <laughs> I, I know. I certainly am. Well, I think the... I, and, the, you know, the thing about Emma Woods, I don't think that's going to change ufology. It's just going to, you know, something completely out of left field is going to change the abduction thing. I don't know what that is. I really don't, but uh, you know, a, a researcher um, screwing around with a, a, a abductee and the abductee having mental problems and all that, and being exacerbated maybe by the abduction researcher. I don't think that's going to change the field because the field doesn't really police itself. And even if it did, it has to be policed from the outside for anything to make a difference. And nobody from the outside of the field really cares about it, except for the, to the point where they can make movies out of it. There you go. Wow, that was a long. <laughs> I like that. Here. Now, now I've explained why I still care, although it, I can sound like I don't. It, well, it depends on what you bring up and what the subject is and what we're, you know, what we're talking about. Right, right. Well, I think the thing is too is that it's like, and I, I don't. I mean, I know this is how I feel. I think you're probably the same way. It's, we're still fascinated and tremendously intrigued and delighted by the phenomenon. It's the pursuit yeah. of the answer to the phenomenon which has become the tedious part. Yeah, because people do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, and they don't get it. And I'm I'm past the thing where reading accounts of of, of sightings excite me. I don't really care about that stuff. I like to read really strange ones, like the ones you see on uh, Albert Rosales's um, humanoid catalog site. What's it called? Catalog of humanoid reports. I think I, I can't remember the name of the site. That one I like reading because he doesn't. He doesn't filter the weird ones. He puts them in there. You know, saw things standing in yard with, with, uh, with glowing head, jumped over hedge. It's like, what? Really? <laughs> you know, that, I, I don't know if up. it's going to help solve anything, but that's a great story. Yeah. But like, you know, another wave of sightings where a bunch of people see stuff and then the Air Force says it was nothing. I don't care. It doesn't change anything. It's, it hasn't and it's not going to. Something else is going to change it. Right, right. Well, that that brings me. Well, this is a, a great segue, actually, because because uh, the the first thing I have on the list is the sighting of the year, um, and this is <laughs> I guess I guess it would be the sighting of the year because I looked at a couple of top ten lists where I sort of saw these things, and on one of them uh, it was overall all paranormal, and this was listed as the top paranormal story of the year, which I was surprised by, and the other one was just UFO stories. I think it had a third. Um, but I'll ask you, I'll do you a little pop quiz, see how well you know this, so remember it. What do you what do you think was the the big UFO sighting this year? Yeah, I wouldn't know. I mean I <laughs> I know, uh, that's you, not, I, you know, you pointed me to that, that orbs thing with the NASA thing, but that wasn't really a sighting. No, 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 yeah, nobody big. even nobody even mentioned that anywhere. That's it was recorded on video. I I thought that was fascinating. I, I really don't know what the big sighting was. 
Um, I do thing with the protester because that was probably a a drone. But anyway, what what was it? Well, partially part of the reason why I put you on the spot like that was to sort of prove a point in a way. Also, that the the, the sightings are really. I couldn't. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I had to look for the UFO sighting of the year because I didn't know what it was either. Um, Somebody's opinion, anyway. Right. Right. It was this Jerusalem one. Do you remember the Jerusalem one from January? I asked about that, and, it, you know, it looked great at first, and then it looked really fake and terrible, and, you know, it was just – and then it looked a little bit better, and, it, you know, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those inconclusive things where you can have 500 cameras on something, and people still aren't going to care. I mean, people that, that determine what we're, how we're supposed to think about things, you mean the, I mean the academia and, uh, pundits and scientists and, and the media, they, if they don't believe it and they don't care, nobody else is going to care because nobody's put that stamp on it and says you should be, this is important, you should pay attention to it. Right, it wasn't a game changer. No, it, I don't think, yeah, like you said, I think on my show, the game changer is going to be, you know, mass sighting over a, over a, over a highly populated um, first world or even maybe second world city or second tier city um, for more than a few minutes with, you know, tons of video documentary evidence, including news cameras out there filming the thing at length. That that might be a game changer, but right. I don't think that's going to happen. And, and to the best of my knowledge, it does. how was the Jerusalem in that scale? It sounds close when you describe it. I don't remember it that well. Was it? It was over a fairly populated city, I presume, right? Jerusalem was probably. But it was. Um, it wasn't I don't, a foreign I don't country, know which I got much about it because all I read was what I told you. I mean, at first it seemed very interesting. Then it very quickly devolved into uh, the the camera footage did not match up exactly, and some stuff was edited, and somebody put edited in audio of themselves talking over it after the fact, and it's like what. What's what's going on here? I I think somebody was at one of the conferences showing video or or a what was it like stills from these videos showing like shapes inside the inside the lights, which to me look like lens problems and you know cheap lenses that have aberrations in them. But um, like I said, it's it's so maddeningly unclear as to what it is except for some bright lights that do some weird things. No, I'm when I said over a large city with lots of video cameras including the news and all that, I mean daylight. Ah, okay. See, that's, uh, not, see, not think some of that. light yeah. where you can't see what the thing is no matter how they move. Yeah, we don't want a bright light in the dark yeah, sky. We want a crap solid in the clear sky. Mexico City stuff? I mean, even that didn't change the game really. It got a lot of people interested but it didn't make anybody that's important and a a really good thinker really concentrate on this and, and champion the cause because I don't think it's a, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to change it. I, I think of incredibly huge kick to the head. <laughs> it's going to happen. I don't think it would change it. I don't know what that is besides what one, we said earlier, yeah, the... or two, the Whitley Strieber idea of like bottom up, um, people all over the world and from all kinds of different social strata and, and, and races and all that, all having an experience over, over a period of time, um, that is, you know, kind of unequivocal. And then that, that changes their lives and that might be the game changer and it, it'll come out of left field. I mean, it's like literally kind of a backdoor, um, way for the phenomenon to reveal itself. And I, I think that that might be one way, which is admittedly, you know, kind of far-fetched, but that's the nature of the of the consciousness behind it or whatever intelligence is behind it. I think 
that would might be a way it, it would do it completely from the bottom up completely democratically and and in a way that nobody really expects as we expect everything to come you know head on right in front of us and as a big show in Vegas or something not 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 something that bubbles up from the subconscious almost on on a wide on a wide scale yeah but even on that in that hypothesis it would have there would have to be some kind of breaking point yeah yeah but it's still I, sort of like I mean, this, it's, this, this it's, thing it's with bubbling blinders. up it, bubbling up to the point where so many people experience it that it's it's just you know and it affects so many people that people just can't ignore it, and they have to start looking at it. They might not know what it is, but they can't ignore it. See, yeah, okay. But I, when I talked to you on your show, I kind of made this point, too. I, I don't think it has to – I like that idea, but I don't think it has to do – I don't think it, it is it's predicated on people having some kind of experience. I think it's just an educational process, too. Well, it could be an educational process. You know, like I mean, the more people – acclima- even more than an education, an acclimation process, you know, where people – because – you know, Bruce Rucks made a good point when we, we had him on the show. It's sort of like UFOs have kind of – they're starting to, to sort of fall into this realm of people almost taking them for granted if they haven't been already, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like, it's like, oh, hey, UFOs, we don't know what they are. They're probably aliens. The government won't tell us. Yeah, well, like, there's given one, up like, almost. little door that's still closed where the people above you who tell you what to believe haven't said it's okay yet. Mm-hmm. And people need that. Um, uh, no matter who you are, I think people need that. Uh, some people don't, uh, which is fine, but most people need that. Um, like most people, I think more people accept that they're ghosts than, 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 than you, than you, uh, the UFO. reality or whatever behind a UFOs. Because it's more personal to them and more personal to a lot of people. I think a lot more people have probably had some sort of ESP or ghost experience than a UFO one. That's probably true, yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and that's another one that where the you know they're waiting for the door to open somewhere, saying yes, it's okay to believe in this because we have some sort of acceptable proof. And I think as far as UFOs are concerned, that's probably the one part of the paranormal where the acceptable proof part of the equation isn't going to happen for a long time. I think a lot, like I said on the, my show, a lot quicker would be um, ESP or or, or uh, hauntings than 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 UFOs or. Or maybe even Bigfoot might happen before that, but I have a whole different opinion on Bigfoot that has nothing to do with a physical uh, being that's here, all, that lives a normal life. <laughs> Don't tell me to go down the Bigfoot road. Don't <laughs> we'll get in. I'm going to write this. Actually, I have I have some Bigfoot stuff in the notes, so we'll we'll, we'll have oh, okay. to get into it. Um, I'm starting to babble, so you better bring me back. To yeah, me. I'm re- I'm re- I'm reeling you in. No worry. <laughs> so. So we so I realize it. Yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. Everything's going great. So it's so that's the Jerusalem sighting, and I got a little flack last year from Red Pill Junkie, actually, a UFO mystic regular uh, poster. Yeah. Because I said the the Chinese sighting in China, we should dismiss it because it happened in China, and he thought that was like some xenophobic point of view. And I wrote to him and was like, no, the 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 point of that, and I'm say I I feel almost the same way about the Jerusalem sighting, but I don't know Jerusalem as well. But it's just sort of like. Kind of like what you said, all the evidence we got out of there was really convoluted and stuff. As far as I know, there's no serious uh, UFO group in Jerusalem um, that we know of that came out with any definitive sort of report on this. And Not yet. And, you know, as I was saying in, to Red Pill Junkie, it's like in China, you know, anything that happens in China, I don't believe. <laughs> like, it's the same yeah. with, like, North Korea, you know. It's like, it, you know, they're just... You can't trust anything that comes out of there, and and I and I made the point to him that it's not xenophobic because if, if something like that happened over 
you know, like a nuclear installation or an Air Force base here in America, I'd say the same thing. Like, you can't believe anything that you hear coming out of that event because, you know, they're totally covering it all up. And you just look at the O'Hare thing. Yeah. That's like a, a, a real smaller version of that. But, like, any UFO that strays into, like, officialdom or, you know, a country where there's a real, like, lock on, on what people are told and are allowed to think, then, yeah. you know, you can't really trust any of the information that comes out of there. And, and I don't, like I said, I don't know much about Jerusalem, so... All I yeah, know is even the, no one's doing the work. Uh, the, the Bernard Hache and the, his group's report on the O'Hare sighting said, <laughs> and this was nothing to do with the government, was it's unexplainable, we can't really tell what it is, and that's it. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> At best, it's unexplainable. You know, that, that's, that's what we got out of that. So what the hell is, the, you know, official would probably love that. Because they were just kind of ignoring it or sweeping it under the rug or whatever, and somebody actually looked into it, talked to the witnesses, looked at the weather reports, looked at the lighting at that time of day, looked at different, a uh, few different pictures, all that, you know, talked to the pilots and tower people, and they came up with, it's unknown. That, that's it. They didn't come up with, it's definitely aliens from somewhere, or this was a solid ship. Yeah. Uh, structured craft. No, they came up with something very strange happened that we can't explain and neither can a lot of people we talk to. Definitely wasn't mistaken. You know, as far as we can tell, it wasn't mis- it wasn't some natural or artificial thing mistaken for a UFO. Right. You know? And how far <laughs> did that get us? All it did was, so, you know, a bunch of people believed in UFO said, see? And a bunch of people that did said, so what? Exactly. <laughs> and And, you know... And just to beat up on sighting some more, just, uh, you know, this thing. <laughs> hey, you know, I said it's the, it's the annual bitch fest, but come on. You know, it's, it, you need a little, sometimes yeah, you need to explain my, my position without I'm, saying, I don't care. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is, I feel like this is great because we can really explain. Because I, I don't I feel about care, but I have specific reasons why I don't, or not why I don't care, but why I ignore a lot of things because I'm not learning anything and it's nothing new. Right, right. Well, the Jerusalem know, thing happened. Until it hits me in the face, I won't recognize it as something new. <laughs> well, the, the 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 thing is with this, it happened in January. Here it is, January now, 2012. And it's like, I, I barely remembered this uh, when I was doing the year in review list. And oh, yeah, I me too. It. I actually, like, vaguely paid attention to it at the time because I had this, you know, stupid, hopeless hope that maybe it was something, which it wasn't, so that knocked my hope and, and care down a little, even a little bit more. Oh. No, no, I, I don't that. know. You know, you're going to have somebody on that says, you know, this is, you know, this is all totally exciting stuff. Yeah, it's exciting if you're, if you don't realize that nobody cares except you and a few UFO, UFO people. You know, when I get excited, it'll be when something that makes people outside the UFO community care on a, on a sustained level in an important way and in a, in a, uh, where, where, you know, I can't remember whose phrase this is originally, but where, where, um, serious people think about it seriously. Right, right. Well, this just came to me now while while you're talking. I think this is, you know, uh, this is sort of. A, I guess I could call this a, a hopeful. <laughs> you know, I don't know. How, I don't know how I'd phrase this, but this is what I was thinking. It's like the Jerusalem sighting on its own. That nah, I don't really care. But what really would be nice if is whatever's behind this UFO do the Jerusalem thing. You know, then show up in Beijing, like, a week later. Then show up in another, you know, then I'll get excited. Then I'll get interested. If we can see some kind of, like, actual development, 
you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll happen. Not, yeah. because, <laughs> if you know anything about the history of the the subject and and whatever's behind it, it is not logical at all. Yeah. At all. At all. At all. It doesn't do anything in any kind of logical order that we would expect ever. Well, it's interesting too. I was thinking about this uh, talking to Stan a few weeks ago. It's like. I know there's a ton of UFO sightings all the time, and MUFON gets them all the time, and Peter Davenport gets them all the time, and everything. But mm-hmm. like having read and that's countless, that's fine because I I don't I don't put down data. No, no, no. But having read countless uh, UFO books and history books and stuff like that, doesn't it feel like we're you know we haven't had a good flap in a long time? No, not really. That's disappointing. But that, it's all you know. They're always fun. Although I you know I said the, the Stephenville ones that they were interesting for about. Two weeks, and then I didn't care anymore because nothing was happening, except for there were some MIB things around it, which were kind of interesting. But that's happened before too. Yeah, I wouldn't you even know, call the Stephenville like, thing a flap. Really, before though. that's just porno, you know. Yeah, it's not. It's nothing that's going to get us anywhere. It's just something that's interesting to the interested people for a while. I'm calling for a good flap. That's all. I I I I've, I will get right behind you yeah. with that one and vote the same. Like a sustained one, you know. Good six months, just like that would be fine. That would do something. Maybe, maybe that would, you know, change yeah. people's minds. That, yeah, like over Norman, Oklahoma, or something like that. Like a, a sort of a bigger town. Right. Yeah. Even if it was yeah. Even if it was like a third tier city, like Springfield, yeah. Mass. That's yeah. fine. If it lasts six months, that's good. That we, that, you know, we need more longevity. That if, if yeah, we need more people sitting out there making out in cars and going ah! and getting <laughs> down the road. That's always a good thing. Well, what we're talking about, really, that that's a good segue here into the next, uh, uh, you know, the next contestant on the the prices UFO, which <laughs> is uh, exopolitics disclosure category. Because you know we're talking about like you know this thing getting out and figuring out all about. And of course, there's people out there that that's their whole mission. Um, yeah. You know, whether you agree with them or not, and whether you think it's a, a foolhardy task or not, that's, you know. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Because <laughs> uh, they've been... Uh, yes, I still do. I Yes, I'm I'm also of the opinion. I'm also of the opinion that However, uh, we're not getting very far. I, I did change one part of my opinion. If they can do it, that's great. Because that means the government will say, you know, oh, okay, well, we we're, we acknowledge that it's, it's an issue and that there have been unknowns. I think that what they want to, them to acknowledge is that there's deals with aliens and then Stephen Greer's thing about free energy coming from aliens and all this other stuff. Yeah, they want like the whole, they want the whole fucking uh, edible arrangement. Or burrito or whatever it is. Enchilada. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> they want the whole enchilada. And I don't think, I think they think the enchilada is something that it isn't, or at least the government doesn't think that it is. And to be fair, I haven't listened to any of their, their, uh, military people telling their stories because they're the same stories a lot of other military people tell, which is I've seen some strange stuff and been told some weird things. Yeah. But I don't know what that adds up to. They think it adds up to aliens coming from other planets, and so do the military people. Aliens coming from other planets and structured craft. And like Valet says, I don't think it's that simple. In fact, it would be disappointing if it was that simple. And I think we've discussed this before. I'm sure we have. If something is admitted by the by a, by the power structure, by the government, by whoever has control of the information, and it's exactly what you expect, how do you trust it? How do you trust it anyway? Yeah, how no do you one's... trust it? It's like if they somebody is saying what you want them to say, or what or, or saying what you want to hear, does that mean that it's true? I, I think that's a I think that's a real big stumbling block with the disclosure thing is that. If what if the government tells them what they want to hear? Is that you know? Is 
it, does that mean it's true? And I, I think if they did tell them what they wanted to hear, what a lot of people want to hear, it would be at the service of trying to change, you know, force people's opinions in a certain direction, not because the thing was completely true, or it be partially true, but but using it as a, a tool of, you know... It would be advantageous to them. Yeah, of mass um, mind control, mind control has bad connotations, but you know what I mean. Right, right, right. Public PR. relations almost. Yeah. Uh, PR to get people to think in a certain way by admitting a little bit of something that either somebody wants to hear or is partially true or whatever. I, I think that's a very, very dangerous ground where you, know, you you want somebody to say something when they finally say it you say well see think <laughs> i i used to get you know i used to have a girlfriend and before we she would start arguing with me and before she even started arguing i'd realize the fight wasn't worth it i'd say fine you're right <laughs> and she'd say what she'd get mad at me when i didn't you know when you i just didn't want to argue about it yeah I didn't want to argue about it because I realized it was just wasn't that important. So um, what you're saying, that's not I guess, what she wanted to hear. She wanted me to, to argue with her, to you know, to bolster her part of the you know her her belief system or whatever. And these, I think, a lot of the disclosure people want the government to say something to bolster what they you know a, a preconceived idea about what what's going on because of, of hints they've heard. I don't know if they're right or not. They could be a hundred percent right, and and um, I'm full of crap. But it's I don't think the UFO, anything connected with the UFO thing is as simple as people think it is. And I don't know what it is either. I don't have the answer. But if you look at it for any length of time, it's just, it's never, you know, an obvious thing. And it never really conforms to any any uh, scenario, I don't think, unless, you know, unless you force it into one. Right, right. Well, listening to this, I was... We don't see UFOs coming from other planets, but we assume that's where they're coming from. <laughs> They don't even need planets. No, well, I don't think they do. That's a very <laughs> important thing. I don't think they need. I don't think they need anything except our ability to perceive them. Interesting. That's an interesting thought. They, do you think they need that though? Well, I think. Or it's, like, or it's just some it's kind of byproduct of them fucking forest. around in our sky. Nobody's there to hear it. It's kind of. It's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. But, you know, and that's what this consciousness is. I think it's kind of like that um, um, where, where you know, the creation story where, or at least it's the, uh, from different uh, cultures, there's the, the gods or the god or whatever created everything so it would have something to compare itself against. Otherwise, you're just like formless consciousness floating in space. That's true, yeah. And maybe the, whatever these things are, and I think I might be borrowing from people, I might even be borrowing from abduction researchers and streamer and stuff. I think whatever this consciousness is, it needs it needs us to define itself, or maybe you know, in 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 the middle of of our interaction is what the definition is, at least for them. Um, and it, it, you know, just being themselves is not very interesting, but interacting with some other consciousness in some way that we can understand it, i.e aliens from other planets or a structured craft coming in from other planets, then that's what's used. And it may not even totally be their their fault that it's being used. It might be our consciousness latching on to what we expect, and they say, okay, fine, that's how we're going interact, to interact, and that's fine. <laughs> this is interesting. You're, you're, you're really uh, 
you complimented me on, on some deep thinking on your show. I'm returning the favor now. You've, uh, you've given me pause here. Think about this. <laughs> well, see, it, it's not that I don't care, but I care in a different way than, than, than other people do, than some people do. There's other people that care in the same way that, you know, Nick, Nick, Nick and I and Mac at the time and, and, uh, uh, Chris O'Brien to some extent, a few of the people I know, we kind of like bounce each ideas off each other and we're, they're not uh, original ideas. By they're not mine. You know, it's just I, I've come to realize by talking to people and reading things and being exposed to stuff that this seems to make more sense than aliens from other planets, or at least, and this is very important, it's more fun. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, I was thinking this as you were as you were talking about this, though. Well, I, I, I think you'll agree with me on this: is that you know, this it, I don't think the UFO phenomenon is one thing in general. Like I, oh, God, I like no. to think that it's more maybe like birds, you know, and and the, the, you know to take the analogy further, like the disclosure people think that you know maybe the the Americas or United States, uh, you know, cut a deal with crows, but there's still all the other birds out there <laughs> <laughs> that are doing something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe yeah, I do you know, know the you blue mean. jays could be the ones that are abducting us, or you know, and then there's like you know a whole bunch of different kinds of birds, same as like insects kind of thing. You know, it's like we yeah. just don't, you know, we just. They're from all different places. Yeah, after, I was just thinking about, it's, that's great, you know, I, I haven't heard that in exactly that way before. That's, that's a really good analogy. The fact that I can still care on a certain level, that I, I still do care. But if somebody asks me, what, what do you think about Emma Woods? That's so far out my, off the map of what I'm interested in that it turns into I don't care. Right, right. We don't have to justify, you know, you don't have to justify your perspective because you're, you know, you're in good company here. <laughs> All the people who are outraged by the people aren't even mad about, about well, why don't you care? It's like, well, I, the, 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 not care doesn't mean, you know, screw off, you people are stupid. It means I don't care. Exactly. And here's why. And we're explaining it to people. So, you know. Well, the, 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 we, we went way down the, the rabbit hole of disclosure, but uh, the thing I was going to bring up as the big disclosure story of the year was the big uh, the petition, the dueling petitions. For people who are listening to this like 10 years from now, there was a petition to the White House that said... Um, to release, I don't know the exact wording of it, so go to Wikipedia in, you know, in 2022 and, and look it up. But, uh, they, they, they made a petition that said, like, give us your information on extraterrestrials. The government and the White House, like, had some science guys say that they've had no dealings with extraterrestrials. And it was a really sort of, uh, legally sort of answer where there was a lot of kind of, like, loopholes in it. And, uh, I think it said, like, we are covering up no, you know, there's nothing secret or something like that. Yeah, well, it have to. It also has to be in the way that they ask the question, too. Right, right. And then, and then, this was the interesting part. And I think you mentioned this to me when we were talking uh, a few weeks ago. Then the government, uh, then, uh, then the UFO folks, the ufologists, they uh, they dug up like some manuals from like 2008 for jet pilots that are like, "What to do if you see a UFO?" And they were like, "Well, why do you, you know, what's this all about?" And then the government took out the, the section on UFOs and redacted it from the manuals. So it became kind of an interesting turn of events. And then uh, then there's now a, a reworded petition. Yes, I saw that. That they're trying to get uh, sent to the White House again. So, I mean... Oh, no, I saw, the, uh, I saw the redacted thing, and I just thought, this is like the 1950s all over again. Right. And the 1960s, and the 1960s, you know, it's, it's the same thing happening over and over and over again, and we're going in circles, and, you know, 
the, the, the people that have put out the petition may have a point, but they're they're not going to get to their you know they're they're asking certain questions they want certain answers to. And the government is going to do the same damn thing it's always been doing. Right. Oh, now that I'm thinking of it, the second the game has changed some other way. The second petition, I think, I think is aimed towards getting sort of like a new blue book type department created to investigate UFOs. I think. I'm not positive. Yeah, that's um, going to happen I, with all this money that's floating around. I know. Right I know actually, now that you mentioned that, that, I'm surprised. Uh, I'd be very surprised, given that, given that they want to like cut Social Security and everything. Well, as you, I just heard Leon Panetta came up and said, "Yeah, we're going to cut a lot of the military budget. We're going to start cutting the fat out of the military budget." You think there's going to be anything left for UFO study, at least in a way that's, you know, uh, public relations or whatever you want to call it, the blue book was? No, oh, right. You're not going to. Even if the, even if the government was flush with money, I don't think you'd get a fair and honest uh, assessment. But what I think, to go back to something that you said earlier. I can kind of get behind that idea, and also the idea, uh, as you said earlier, about um, that, that, that the UFO subject sort of like this door that people need sort of permission to, like, be allowed to think about. And I can get behind that as a form of disclosure, but not, like, some grand story about aliens and Roswell and everything. Like, I, I, I can get behind government disclosure in the sense that they're like what you had said earlier, too. You know, hey, we've seen these things. We don't know what they are. You know, at least you know they're they're a mystery to us or something like that to give permission to academia and the media to sort of investigate. Them. Well, then there's also deeper stories like Leonard Stringfield that uncovered of you know crash retrievals and all the stuff that Ryan and Bob Wood talk about, and you know how true are those and are those extraterrestrial? You know, they might not even be extraterrestrial. Maybe the things disappeared after they picked them up, literally, physically. I don't know. I think there have been crashes of unknown. You know. Uh, there's very good evidence. There's been crashes of unknown technology. Now, does that mean it came from outer space? Why should it mean that? You know, that, that's, what I, that's what I said about the, you know, the, be careful what you're asking for because you've, you've already framed the answer by asking it in a certain way. Right. Yeah, I think these things happen, but I just think that the, the, the focus of them is too narrow. And the way that people ask officials for permission to, to have everybody else believe them is, are the wrong questions. In fact, I don't think you should even ask them anymore. Well, they're not going to, yeah. Look, the subject looked even sillier, I think, when the government just says, oh, no, it doesn't go on. It's like, all they, all they say is, see, they're covering something up. And, you know, most people think, yes, they're covering something up. Yeah, that's the funny part about, you know, like about I said. most. I mean, there's how you know, people don't even care about the subject. but Right, right. But it is weird. There's a sociological thing behind it all, like you kind of pointed out earlier about this, people needing permission to think about it and stuff. Because it's right. The people, you know, I think a good percentage of the American people just assume the government's covering it up. And don't go any further. Don't go any further. Right. There's no sense yeah. of outrage or anger or anything over it. You know, it's it's like Opposed acceptance. To, you know, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a thing that's pushed to the back of the closet. That once in a while, when you're cleaning up, you see it. Yeah, like you're flipping the channels through when you catch a UFO thing on TV in your life. Yeah, and some people are really into it, and you know, and some, but I think most people just don't. You know, it's not really part of their daily thought process or even weekly. And even if there was, you know, that's the other thing. When if there is some kind of disclosure, people are saying there'd be this all this panic and all that. But the thing is, after, you know, what would people do? They'd freak out. They'd say, "Oh, there's no God," or whatever the hell it still is. Still got to go to work on Monday. Yeah, they still got to go to work on Monday. We have talked about this, and and they would get used to it. it doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean there's going to be aliens coming from somewhere every week to to say hi to everybody. <laughs> I don't think it would change that. It would just mean that that's 
just something that people have in their worldview right now, which is just a major, uh, majority, a very small minority of, of us right now, you know, you and I and people that even care more about uh, sightings and all that. We, I think about it a lot. You think about it a lot. But what if the government revealed or whoever real and scientists said, yeah, there is, there are some sort of ex, you know, extra human beings that are, interact with us and we don't know where they're from. There'd be a, a, a period of freak out, and then two or three or whatever years later, if nothing really happened to change the society, I don't think people would care anymore. Well, that you just—this you, you, is an amazing conversation. That you just said something that made me think of this too. It's just like how maddening would it be if the government said that, and the UFO phenomenon was still as elusive and mysterious and difficult to study and grasp as it is. I think with, it would with, be without them telling us. It, that would make it worse, almost. I think. Yeah, it would because it, it, <laughs> everybody's like, "Well, we got to get some scientists on this to do what? You can't go out and see, you know, and 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 grab a UFO and start taking pictures of it. It just doesn't work that way. Right. It's a. It's a. It takes two to tango. Yeah. And I mean, it, 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 it would be funny. It would be. It would be maddeningly also kind of funny. Like, you know, it's like everyone accepts UFOs are real. We still can't. We can't do anything about it. We can't get them. We yeah, can't. That's the other reason why I don't think anything's admitted. It's like you know, I don't want to. We don't want to go through all the difficult bullshit in between of everybody freaking out and religious movements and churches getting mad and this and that to find out that there's still nothing that can be done about it. So why bother? Just kind of sweep it under the rug until. Something the game changes somehow. Right. We can't change it till they yeah till they decide that that it's time to stop being elusive. Yeah, I don't you know I I don't I don't think I don't really care if the government admit here we go not caring it. I don't care if the government admits it or not because it's like like we've just been saying here and I haven't thought about it in this way but but I think that even if they did admit it it wouldn't make any difference uh, after a while. And all the UFO people, would nobody would care about them as soon as the government admitted that. I mean, that, that's been gone over. And it, it, I wrote about it, and then Nick wrote about it, and other few other people, and, and you know, all about, about the same time. You know, what if what if they do admit <laughs> what's going on? Nobody's – it's really not going to – Let me finally get to the bottom of Bigfoot. Long run, because there's nothing that can be done about it. And Oh, and the, the other part is the uh, – all the people that the whole entire UFO community would just be wiped out. There would be no more. There would be no more UFO conventions or anything. There wouldn't for a while. They'd come back after a while. But yeah, the whole UFO thing. Because <laughs> what is what are they fighting against anymore? Yeah, it wouldn't be a fringe group. A lot of people are in it because they feel that it's you know that it's a fringe group and they they like to feel ostracized and different and all that. You know, and I admit I did too at first, and now I just don't really care so much anymore. I think, if anything, it might also end up becoming, like, co-opted by the mainstream. Yeah. In a way that, like, we get, you know, we get pushed out by, this, like, you know how, like, this geek chicness and, and comic books, you know, how comic yeah. books used to be, like, this underground thing, and now, like, everybody reads them and stuff, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, we'd be like, wait a minute, dude, we were talking about UFOs way back before all you people got interested in them. And people would say, yeah, great, fine, shut up, geek. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Everybody um, knows about that crap. You know, it's like, uh, 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 Stephen Hawking says they're real, so who cares what you say? <laughs> Take that. Uh, all right, so the, the next story, geopolitical, this was sort of a weird one. I couldn't really figure out what I, what I meant last year by that term, uh, or really what I mean now, but I, I put the, uh, under that one, 
I thought I found this story interesting. I saw it in one of the top tens. I forgot all about it. This thing with Nick Pope. Do you remember this? Where he sort of like said that he was involved with spin and dirty tricks. Yeah, and he was, he was so sorry that he had did, did, did all that stuff because that was his job. Right, right. I thought that was interesting. But then, now that I'm thinking about about it, I kind of always figured that was the case anyway. So, you know, because he, he's sort of jokey in a sense, and I could see kind of that maybe that's why he got the job in the first place. Because he has a good sort of personality like that. Yeah. You know? So, I, but now that I think about it, I, I want to talk to him and see what he has to say about all this. But it's an interesting yeah. perspective. I have a great deal of respect for Nick. Absolutely. I, I really yeah. like him, and I really like his attitude. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, an interesting story, but there's not much yeah, My more favorite to phrase it. of his, when he hears any UFO thing and he hasn't been able to check it out yet, his, his catch-all phrase is, interesting if true. <laughs> I like that. That's like the Stan Freeman gray basket. Catch-all phrase. <laughs> nice, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. But like I said, uh, doesn't it stand to reason that the guy in charge of the essentially the blue book of England would be involved in this, essentially what we expected to be done yeah. you know, in a, the, with the American blue book is, you know, no, so it downplayed his sightings. and sorry about it. No, no. I, I, he could admit it. Well, you know what? He can admit it and say, "Look, that was my job. I'm sorry if I fooled some people, but look what I've done since then. I think I've I think I've made up for the <laughs> made up for the uh, my government work where I told people there was nothing to it by coming out of the government and say, yeah, I think there definitely very is very very definitely is something to it.' Right. It's like J. Allen Hynek. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. One of the the conversion thing. You know. Yeah. All right, that was really the only, you know, the Jerusalem thing's kind of geopolitical, sort of. I, I couldn't really come up with much else. And the the uh, the next story is also uh, the sad one here, uh, the in memoriam part of the show where uh, we remember people that died. The only one I had because I really went through really quickly on the notes, folks. I apologize. Uh, was Bud Hawkins, of course, who passed away uh, in the fall. Yes, or late there was summer. a big roar on my show over that. Because first I had Peter. Um, Robin's on. Mm-hmm. We talk and we talk quite a bit about Bud and what you know what he did and what you know what Peter's work with with him was. And then, um, or was that after? Anyway, and then uh, one show I had uh, uh, Nick and Paul Kimball and uh, Paul said Paul said something about like he really didn't see that that Bud Hopkins had contributed very much or he he had contributed in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's leading us down this path for a long time that really didn't amount to anything. It might have been dangerous psychologically for the people involved. I don't 100% agree with him. And I, I, I met, you know, but a few times, talked to him. I had, I had, you know, I'm not an abduction researcher. I had deep disagreements about what the way he went about things, but. I don't know, you know, I, I'm kind of torn as, if abduction researchers actually Hurt people. Um, I think those people, the, the people, if they they went of their free will to Hopkins, and, and you know who the hell is there besides UFO researchers and mental health professionals? Yeah, and I think a great majority of them, you, I, I, this is just feeling, go to a mental health professional and just deal with it that way. Um, because yeah, most people don't have access to Bud Hopkins or, you know, there are even know too many yeah. local abduction, you know, um, therapists around. So I, I, I think that the people made the choice to go to him because, and it, it, you know, I used to get letters from people when I was doing the magazine saying, I think there's something going on in my life. I don't know who to talk to. And I say, 
find a, if you can, find a psychologist or psychiatrist who is is open to the, to the, to the you know, op open to listening to you and not making fun of you if you can do that. Do not go to a UFO abduction researcher. Don't. And I think, you know, I think that's what most people do. Most people are probably scared to go to somebody that says, uh, that is known for, uh, <laughs> telling you, you're finding yeah, out that they were by aliens. Where probed by aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. People want to hear that and they don't want to believe that, so they go to somebody else and see if they can deal with it that way. And maybe if they don't get the answers they want there or things aren't working out, then they go to, I, I think these people in a lot of cases were, were last resort for a lot of people. And you know, if they that can't, if they can find some peace that way, whether it's wrong or whatever, is uh, maybe that was okay. Interesting. I, yeah. I I think it was misguided, but you know, if the person feels better, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, we're we've reached the nadir of abduction research. I think though, with uh with the Hopkins death and obviously John Mack's death and uh the scandal around. David Jacobs, it's like the big three of uh, abduction research for the last 20 years. They're like out of the picture pretty much, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I went and saw David Jacobs speak once, and I, in the middle, at a MUFON meeting in Orange County, it's like in 94 or something, and in the middle of his speech, I, he said something that made me audibly guffaw. <laughs> he said something about, you know, it's al absolutely clear that the aliens are here to, you know, take over and, you know, steal our DNA, and I went, <laughs> and the Everybody in the room turned around and gave me the, a bunch of people. It came around and gave me the dirtiest look. Well, I just feel like I'm really an ardent, I guess, skeptic in a lot of ways about abduction in general. I guess the, the the current story of what it is. I feel like it just kind of got off the rails when it got into, like, hybrids and all this other stuff. I mean, that may be happening, but it my might. mind, like, just can't. Yeah. For some reason, I, I just, like, I just, my mind shuts off at that point where I'm like, okay, you know. This very well may be true, but we're we're getting into like the fantastical, and we need more hard evidence beyond yeah. beyond these regressed memories and stuff. Yeah. The funny thing is, mine didn't because when when Missing Time came out, I was like right on it. I was totally on board with it, and all Hopkins stuff probably up to maybe the early to mid nineties, and I started to go. Eh. Well, did the narrative start? To I change? got a little tired of it, and I thought that it had kind of extrapolated itself based on. Yeah. You know, and, and Popkins would tell you, and Peter told me this, that it's based on what people tell them. It's not based on something they made up or that they want to believe. It's based right. on what people have told them. And what, um, you know, and sometimes to the, to the point where somebody would tell them something, they hadn't, they hadn't cued them or told them anything in the first place, and they would come up with details that other people had given them, you know, long before who had never met each other. You know, and to them that meant, well, yes, there's aliens coming from other planets taking our DNA and all that. And that's fine. It makes internal sense. But there's, there's no way to, you know, that, that, there's no way to prove that externally. You can't ask an alien about it. You can't, nobody's had a camera in there while it's going on. Right. You know, it, it's, it's just this, it's, I think it's just based on belief of what people perceive. And internally, and maybe sometimes externally. I mean, there's there's people, other people see lights, and other people in the house might have seen something. But I don't think it adds up to what they think it adds up to. Exactly, exactly. And like I said it might, but I I think it's there's only you only got half there, and we we don't. That's not how people deal with evidence to try and make a 
you know, most people deal with evidence to try and make their mind up about whether something's real or not. You can't just have a bunch of witnesses talking about something that that almost nobody has gone through and nobody has taken a film or video of, you know? Right, right, right. And, like, you could also kind of say, you know, the government's crazy and sinister enough to grab a bunch of people and, and, and you know, implant this stuff in their minds to get this thing going somewhere. And, and I'm, that's, you know, that might be part of it, too. It's It's like... Based on the evidence we have, it, it could that has just as much merit, I guess you could say, as as the, the as the abduction narrative that we've heard all all these years. So it's yeah. like that's part of the problem. It's like we haven't gotten any further in actually getting any sort of good evidence. Yeah, this is why what I, I gave a talk earlier in the year in Albuquerque, and I I said I think all abduction research, with the exception of like therapy for people who are having problems and, and need help, I think it should all be stopped for like five years. And it, it looks like it's, it might be the way things are, at least on a on a on a popular scale. Yeah. But just you know, go away from it for five years, then come back with no preconceived ideas and just start collecting data with no preconceived ideas and with no fanfare and no books written. You know, uh, and maybe some papers shared between researchers, so it doesn't turn into a cult. And it doesn't—I'm not saying that it was a religious cult, but you know what I mean. It yeah. doesn't turn into this internally um, regenerative thing, and that's in the media and books and all this stuff. I, I, I think that 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 ruins anything. Uh, any kind of publicity generates unwanted attention kind of kind of messes up the 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 motivations and the where what people think they want to think and think that they're looking at and i'll and before we did the show i have to admit something and i've never really said this on the air and if i'm not an reductee or anything but the way i think about things and if if you've talked to me for a while you know this but personally i Anytime there's a whole bunch of people thinking one way and waving a flag, I'm immediately suspicious. Yeah. Even if they're right, you know, I, I, it just, it just, especially when it's something that a lot of people haven't made a decision on yet, um, politically or anything, but it, especially in the UFO thing or the paranormal, there's a lot of people standing there saying, this is what it is. It's like, I have a deep distrust of it. It's just my personality. Is that why it took you so long to get on board with Lady Gaga? Yeah, actually it was. That, <laughs> that was the main reason for that, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. My personality, and, and you know, if, if somebody says, well, this is what it is, I go, well, well, wait a minute. And I start looking for reasons why it's not, because I, and, and I even do that with my own opinions. I will, I, I'll jump in on the other side. Just see how if somebody tells me that they absolutely do not believe in anything having to do with the paranormal UFOs, I start telling them why they should be interested in it. And if somebody tells me they're all totally into it and they're all new aged out, I start giving them the skeptical, right, you know, right. scientific point of view just to see where it goes. Because otherwise it's not interesting to me to stand around and agree with people. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the same way in a lot of ways, too. Not to fight, but just, just, to, just to get ideas boiling exactly. and, and moving around. Um, the next section here, anything else about I couldn't think of anyone else that passed away, so. I um, well, there was a t uh, uh, Charles Hickson. Okay. This, um, was the, this is the guy with the uh, the UFO. Oscar Yeah. Uh, and the one that was very important to me, Gabe Valdez. Okay. Now, did you know Gabe Valdez or no? 
Yes, quite well. Why don't you talk a little bit about them so we can remember them here? When I was working on Project Beta in 2003, Bill Moore pointed me towards Gabe because Gabe had helped him out quite a bit. Um, actually, uh, get it, keeping a, a reality check on Paul Benowitz in a lot of ways. Um, so I went out to Albuquerque twice. First time I went out there, I, I met Gabe, and he's he never met me before. I talked to him on the phone a bit. I went and met, met him at work, and he brought he brought an entire, the first time I met him, he just drove with me a little bit. He had to go run some errands for, he, he worked at the Ford dealer in Albuquerque, <laughs> one of them. So he had to go run some errands for the Ford dealer, so I just drove with him and asked him questions. Cool guy, he was real nice, and he goes, well, why don't you come back tomorrow, I'll bring you some of my files. And boy, did he bring files, he brought like two giant boxes full of files. Oh, wow. Then he, and he put them in, the, he'd met me the day before. He put him in a room in an office, an empty office at the Ford dealer, and said, "Here, I got to go out and do some stuff. Go through this. Look at anything you want. Take pictures of everything you want. If you want to make copies, I'll make copies for you. And if you find anything you think is interesting, we'll talk, I'll talk to you about it." Then he left me alone with it. Nice. I got God. There was incredible stuff in there. Um. And then you know, it, over the years since that. You know, if something was going on, he was the guy that was the police officer in Dulce, New Mexico in the late 1970s, mid to late 70s when the cattle mutilation thing started. So he was there, like, when it started, at least the American uh, version of it started, and he was on the scene at cattle mutilations, on the scene looking for evidence, finding strange things, seeing strange things, and... um he shared all that information with me, a lot of it which did go in the book because it wasn't relevant, but I thought it was interesting. Um, and, it, you know, since that time, every time I would go to Albuquerque, I'd call Gabe up and he'd say, sure, let's, let's, let's hang out. And he'd tell me a little bit more about what had been happening. And his wife and, and he, he would take us out to dinner and we'd, we'd just, you know, talk about normal stuff and um, hang out. He was just a, just a really nice guy. Um, and then uh, this year, uh, I think he was 67 or 68, uh, died to sleep. So I went oh, to his uh, funeral in Albuquerque. And then he was buried up uh, actually about halfway to uh, three-quarters of the way up to uh, Dulce um, in a little town up there. Uh, and I went to that part of the funeral, too, and watched them lower him into the ground. And then they went to, I went to the wake, and there was all this great New Mexican food people had made. Uh, and I talked to some of his relatives and his friends and his his wife and his sons. And anyway, I think he's one of these people that not too many people know about. But I think he's real important in the history of kind of the weirdness in New Mexico and especially the cattle mutilation thing. And um, now, what did he think of the Dulce Bay story? He was always of the opinion that there was something there, but his opinion of what it was was completely different from most people. His opinion was that it was some sort of research facility, maybe biological, and that the government drew attention to it to see who was interested, see who was coming to, you know, coming to see what was, was going on there. Um, and they deliberately told people, you know, Paul Benowitz and all these people that it wasn't a certain place. And it was the thing's like ten miles away, apparently, from where they said it was. Yeah, um, as as far as I know, um, and that that would make sense to me too, because there's been uh, like a, a stealth fighter crashed, I think, north of Bakersfield or something in the in the nineties. So 
I guess it leaked out that it had crashed and all these people came running. So, of course, they had these, all these information leaks about where the crash was, which was miles away from the actual crash site. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So every, you know, these like, you know, if you really want to see it, why don't you go out to this place? And people would go out there and there was, you know, there was like a pile of junk or maybe there was nothing or whatever. And people were running all over looking for the thing while they were cleaning up the real crash site. It's like how they catch Russian spies. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what was going on there. And I didn't think there was any base there. And um, um, Gabe, actually, he was the one that tried to convince me that there was. Because I, I was so involved with the Paul Benowitz thing and thinking that it was a fake. He, 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 he in various various ways, which I cannot go into on the air, uh, uh, tried to convince me and made a convincing case that there was some sort of a base there based on who had been there. Um, who he had talked to, what was going on in the tribe internally, the Hickory Apache tribe. Oh wow! And some other things. Um, and then, and then I got confirmation of it from some guy that I just like basically almost met out of the blue. I mean, there was no way unless somebody steered him to me, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But he said, "Yeah, there, there is or was a base there." And this was a guy that worked for the, the Department of Defense in the in the eighties. So. <laughs> you know, it, get, it gets weirder and weirder and deeper and deeper, and, and Gabe was at the center of that. And um, any time there was anything going on in Dulce, if I called him up, he would like he he would tell me exactly what was going on right up to that minute. And um, if I was interested to do something about it, he'd give me more information. Nice. So I was very sorry and shocked when I, I heard that he died. Uh, Nori Hayakawa actually told me, and, and then I. I Hopped on a plane in the midst of having no job and, and went out there to the funeral. That was nice of you. Well, I, I it's it's um I didn't I, I I don't even know why I mentioned that. It was I I just really thought it was important that I go out there and and talk to his um talk to his one of his sons actually has has the information and he's he's keeping it because I thought that that was the main thing I was going to ask him. He's like, are his papers just going to get thrown away? Or yeah, I didn't bring it up. I thought it was rude of me to bring that up. So I didn't. I just hung out and and you know bowed my head when everybody else bowed their head and and you know talked quietly about how cool Gabe was and what a what a really cool guy he'd been to me very, right off the bat without even knowing me. And um, then his wife brought it up when I was about to leave. I went up and I went out and you know I went over and said you know once again I'm so you know so sorry about Gabe. Um, I miss him terribly and I'm glad I had a chance to come out. And then she brought it up. She said, if you want, it, we're not going to throw out any of his papers. You know, one of my sons is taking care of it and pointed him out, and I went and talked to him. Nice, nice. That's good to know. And, you know, instead of being rude, she brought it up herself, which I thought was very nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll move. Anyway, I, in a convoluted way, I just wanted to say that of all the people that died during the year, I think, to me, that was the most important person for me personally. Oh, yeah, and, sure, yeah. Uh, there was so much more that could have been done. Could have been done with Gabe, Gabe alive, um, but you know, it's one of those things where there's certain researchers that have so much stuff that nobody's ever seen that could be game changers. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that is true. You know, I think probably Bud Hopkins was sitting on a lot of that stuff that he might have ignored because he thought it wasn't important. Or Linda Howe has a bunch of stuff, I bet, that, that no nobody really knows about, and she might have even forgotten about and She might not even know that it would be a game changer if she did something with it. You know, you, you, know, you never know. Right, that's true, yeah. And then there's these people like, like Gabe or, or, or Tom Adams, who was one of the first mutilation researchers, or... Um, 
Gary Massey, or who was another one, or Ron Regeer, um, he's another one with tons of information um, that people people ought to, you know, pe- these people ought to get out there and 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 let people see their information, and utilize it because it it might uh, expand our idea about what's going on. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll move to uh, the next. Uh, thing on the list here, and that's the the inside baseball story of uh of the year for ufology, which uh I have a feeling you probably well I don't know we talked a little bit about this uh back when it kind of went down, and that is uh I, I thought it was kind of a sad story this whole thing with the Phil Imbrogno scandal and how Phil Imbrogno there are allegations let's just say because Phil hasn't said anything about this uh, as far as I know publicly but there's allegations that pretty strong allegations let's say. That, uh, yeah, I think it was pretty conclusively proven that he had lied about his ac- acad- some of his academic um, credentials. Okay, so I didn't know how far I could take that. So. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, what's his name? Lance Moody, I think, found this out. Yeah, yeah, that he lied about his academic credentials, didn't go to MIT, uh, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, it was quite the... Quite I mean, if, if he thought he could uh, answer it and the guy was full of crap, I think he would have tried to defend himself. Right, right. I would. Anybody would, you know? Yeah, and this went down in the summertime, and he's been MIA, like, ever since. And it's, it's yeah, we're, left to, we're left to say that, well, yeah, the guy lied about a lot of, a lot of the stuff in his background. Right, right. Which, uh, as I said, caused quite a stir in uh, UFO circles. Obviously, nobody outside of ufology cared a, a lick about the story, but for no. those of us who are into the into the study of the phenomenon, it was surprising. Well, not, you know, the weird part is it wasn't surprising, be, being that it's ufology and human nature, I guess you'd say too. But at the same yeah. time, it was surprising because it was Phil and Brogno. I had a lot of respect for him, and it was just like, oh, dude, like why why did you do that? That's kind of my reaction. I, that, you know, there was some. There was, of course, the UFO lynch mob that wanted to just, like, string him up, and, and uh, there was a lot of anger and stuff. But my attitude was more just disappointment. And, like, blah, why blah, blah. That? Let's get all excited about something because, there's, you know, we've got to make up some excitement. It, it's so stupid. I mean, because they think they're right on the edge of some sort of respectability. They're not. And the, the, the other thing is Phil Imbrogna was, like, on the fringe of that. His ideas weren't very mainstream at all. Nah, he was just sort of. Well, that was partially the additional like disappointment though, because I I remember I talked to you uh, like before all this went down, and I might have been even been on your show where it was like, you know, I'm really excited about what Phil Imbrogno is doing right now, and now it's like everything he, you know, I almost can't even go and look at his stuff right now, and eventually I will. It doesn't bother me in the least. I'll still look at his stuff. Because I, you know, but I you have to look at it with a jaundiced eye, right? I mean, come on. Like, it, I guess I don't personal care. anecdotes that are in the story, yeah. I just can't. Yeah. I can't I think really a lot of those. Were, yes, I was kind of wondering when I was first reading some of the stuff, like him being in the jungle in Vietnam and having some like Yeti type thing running around in the rain, yelling at him. I don't remember that one, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I like, bet he, I bet he did just spin a bunch of yarns in these books. Yeah, I think it was in the Files from the Edge. I think that's what that's called. Anyway, but the, the, the point was, the, the reason that I don't really, once again, I don't care about his fall from grace is because I liked his ideas. I liked his theories. I don't care if he made, I think John Keel made up a bunch of crap. But that doesn't bother me. In fact, I know he did in a couple of cases. But I, I don't care. I, I really don't because I, I like the thought process and I like the thinking and I like the theorizing. And people are going to say, well, it's theorizing based on made-up bullshit. No, not all of it's made-up bullshit. I mean, he had to go out and study these things and talk to people. I mean, the thing was, the guy wasn't just an armchair 
guy. He went out and talked to people. He went out and investigated stuff. He went out and, you know, gathered information and was in the field. Right, right. Well, like the point you made. I, I would still like to have him on my show, but, you know, he's not going to do it. No, I know. I'm begging him, you know, to come on BOA. It's like, you know, come to Jesus, Phil. Just, you know, say what you got to say. Get it off your chest. If you did this, just Yeah, in fact, I, say I, I, would, I would say if I wanted to contact him, we don't even have to talk about that. <laughs> see, I see. I, I, that's all I want to talk about right now is really? like find out what. Well, I guess to me, what fascinates me about the story is is well, it would be the only way to get him on. If probably say, look, we're not going to talk about the controversy. Sure, yeah. Your ideas. Well, because like it just fascinates me the thought process of why you would do it. You know what I mean? If you know, I just feel like that. That to me is. Like, why would you do that, dude? <laughs> That's kind of my, I, I I mean, like, my first, like, sort of like when, when, uh, Hugh Grant went on Jay Leno there. I don't know if you remember that. He was just like, yes, I do. Yeah, he was just like, the first question was like, well, what were you thinking? You know? <laughs> That's kind of my, you know, that's the first question I'd have for him, dude. Like, Phil, what were you thinking, man? A like, friend. Yeah, that was a sexual scandal. Phil was, like, you know, lying about academic credentials. Which right. Is, uh, in a lot of people's minds, a lot more serious because you trust, you, tr- you trust somebody, if somebody has academic credentials, you trust their information, that you trust that they're a good, a diligent researcher, all that other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't, you know, I still trust that he was a diligent researcher, but I also, you know, I also know that he, a lot of it was weaved in with crap he made up. Probably. If he made up stuff about himself, obviously he's probably made up a lot of other stuff too. Right. It was in right. service of some of his ideas, and the ideas were based on research that he'd done. And if he had to make, he wanted to make up stuff to 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 bolster it, like a contactee or something. So I, you know, like I, I like I said, I don't care about the con- controversy. What I care about is ideas and his theories and his his uh, connecting of of um, of fairy lore and and Middle Eastern jinn lore and all that to the intelligences or whatever they are behind the UFO thing. I think that's important, and 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 the way he looked at it was. Looks at it still, I suppose, is still valid to me. Right, right. Well, like what you're saying too is, uh, and what we talked about way back when this all went down is just that, like you're saying here, is that the ideas are still valid. Yeah, nothing changes. Still excite me. I don't don't care if he lied about his background. It's just, uh, I'm sorry that he did. Indeed. Uh, you know, so now there's zero chance that his ideas are going to get in the main, mainstream ex- instead of point oh 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 one percent chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's not going to be on Oprah now. Yeah. <laughs> well, the funny part is, is like he was in the New York Times, like right before this all, you know, about a year before it all went down. So oh, I, was he? Yeah, and they didn't even uncover all that. So kudos to Lance Moody for digging into it. But you know, yeah. by that same token, there was also sort of like this backlash where it was like people should have caught this. And it's like, you know what? Fucking New York Times should have caught it, man. Like, don't, don't hold me to the standard. <laughs> They're at a higher standard than the middle of America. So, you know, they should have caught it. They're getting paid to, like, write about this stuff. So yeah. they're the they're the paper of record, and apparently, according to them, he's he's on the uh, he's on the up and up. So yeah, apparently their record was was wrong. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, they're skipping or something. The mystery missile off the coast of California. Something. Oh, nothing. I have a great fear that this is really something. The United States government has come out and said, and not quite definitively enough for me, said that this was probably, that is their word, probably an airplane. Probably doesn't make it. We both watched the event. 
I think this could be aliens. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. And this is, uh, it's very scary. The other thing, the missile went up. When does the missile come down? More importantly, I where does the missile come down? You this is something. were put in a call to President Blair Underwood. I knew that you would think <laughs> That's right. that these beings were like That's 94% right. human elf line. Whatever no, comes down this is nothing. Head. This is a movie promo oh, no, out of Southern California. Oh, no, 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 That's no, no, no. all it is, is no, no, a marketing no, no, no. campaign reality. Really? It is nada. Absolutely nothing. nada. Wilbon's right. Nothing. It's off the table there. The missile's nothing. Wilbon gets the win. This was definitely something. I'm hey. This game. And the only other story I have is on the uh, under the double question mark category because I didn't even know. You That's know, a good category. Yeah, the parts unknown. Um, and that was the, category. I guess you could call it the 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 mainstream. You know, the big story that the mainstream picked up because actually of all these, I think the Jerusalem one probably got some traction, and I'm sure there was some Bud Hopkins obituaries and papers and stuff. But and but really. You know, the disclosure story did get a lot of mainstream policy, but the big one that got a ton, I think, was the, uh, the Annie Jacobson Area 51 book. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that got, that was probably the biggest, or one of the biggest UFO stories of the year, easily, because, like, I saw it everywhere, and, and all the mainstream media and shit, and it was awful, because, well, I don't know, though, because, I mean, I've heard varying sort of takes on this, and, you know, from what I understand, the source that she had is is sort of faulty or something like that, or the story that she's putting out there isn't exactly uh, on the up and up. But there's well, why would it be? I because know. she's talking to a bunch of people whose job it was to keep secrets. <laughs> Are people whose job it was to keep secrets ever going to tell you the whole story? No, they never will. They're going to tell you what they've either been allowed to or they think is is kosher to be told, and that's what they told to her. And I think they wanted to just stop people talking about it as a as a UFO kind of thing. And you know what? I they 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 may be right. I don't know. But the thing is, I, I I went and saw her speak at the L.A. Public Library live. She was there for like an hour answering questions. Did you ask her anything? No, I didn't ask her anything because I everybody else asked the you know the questions I wanted to ask. It's just. I, I couldn't do it, or I was just so shocked that she was there talking about this stuff, and some of the people that she talked to in the book were there, these old guys. I just couldn't do it because I didn't think that if I asked the question one, I couldn't ask it the right way. You know, I, I felt kind of tongue-tied. I was a little nervous. <laughs> Me. And then <laughs> and the other thing was I was trying to think of a way to ask it so that I could figure out in her answer what she was dealing with. Right, right. I know what you mean. What yeah. I mean, just ask a, 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 a what's it, an oblique question that might not be exactly what I wanted to know, but in the way she answered it, I could figure out what she, yeah. a little bit of what was going on. And I couldn't craft the thing properly while I was sitting there because I was listening to the other answers. Interesting. And there were some good questions there, like, you know, how do you, can you trust these people? And she's like, well, they're, they're very nice guys and they're, they're patriotic Americans and this and that, you know, the standard. The thing that was annoying about people asked her certain questions about how she got the information or, what about this Stalin thing about putting, you know, somebody had to ask it. Of course, when somebody asked that question, the whole audience started laughing. Not laughing, wow. God. Pittering and giggling. Right. Well, that was the thing. That was the part that really got the big, a big chunk of the mainstream media attention, too, was that she introduced a, now a new 
version of the Roswell story. But, and I wish we had Nick on the show tonight, yeah. because it was sweet vindication for Nick Redfern, who got a lot of shit from people in ufology for his book. Yeah, but essentially, what are you going to do? You're going to believe a bunch of people from the government that might be lying <laughs> to a journalist who wants to, you know, who, who's just basically listening to their story and spitting it right back out? No, but the point I'm making is that that there it, might be something to what Nick was saying. Right. That there's some. There's. I think there's some kernel of truth to to that story because now it's come up again. It may not have been Roswell. It may have been something somewhere right. else or something like that. But I think I maybe that scenario played itself out somehow. Japanese ones, but whatever. Right. Um. The thing that annoyed me about her at that thing is that she constantly said, well, you have to get the book. Oh, she I just so. couldn't answer questions. If she, if she'd answer them like, she would either halfway answer them and say, well, you just have to read that in the book. And it's like, Ugh. don't you just answer the goddamn questions? If people like your answers, they'll buy the book. Chances are they probably already bought it if they come to see her or they're going to buy it That's, afterwards. I mean, uh, Sigrid, uh, my wife bought me a copy of it and I still haven't read it um, because it's it's... She, her personal appearance annoyed me so much. Well, it's um, ridiculous. She's playing to like the, the the smallest percentage of the audience. The good percentage yeah, probably already well, has the book or, or bought it. I, it's ridiculous. No, well, it was a bestseller. It's not a really a small right. audience. It, it did really well um, because it's you know I think it's something people wanted to hear. And it, it you know it's the, that's that tried and true um, uh, formula. You tell people something that they didn't know about something. You let them in on a secret, whether it's the real secret or not. Right. I think they admitted a lot of what was going on there, but I also think that they probably either one didn't have access to everything, and two probably couldn't admit everything, and three they were still spinning. You know now because there's still research going on there. I'm sure it's a combination of all of the above. You know, and I think she was there to, to as a pretty good writer and and a, uh, I guess at least respected in the, in the newspaper world journalist. To, to you know, to spread this, to uh, tell the story and spread whatever they needed spread, and uh, you know, like I, uh, it, it's disin part of it's disinformation. But the thing is, that there's probably a lot of like real information in there. Um, yeah, you know, well, just to- you got the whole story. There was just a story out recently about this um, program in the 1960s and 70s, I think, where they had satellites taking pictures of you know. Cuba and China and Russia and everything, and the satellites would take these huge rolls of film, take the pictures, and then jettison the film, and the things would parachute into the Pacific, and, and planes would come and grab it out of the ocean. <laughs> I mean, incredible stuff. And you know, the um, you know people I saw on Facebook, other places, finally they you know they can admit something like this. And I was thinking, you know, I bet that's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of ten percent of the story. Right. Right. You know, there's so much more there, and that you know that they can only talk about certain amounts of it or whatever. There's probably so much going on there, and there's probably stuff that's still connected to stuff that's going on now that they can't really talk about. So it's, you know, what, what I, you know, in the final analysis with Jacobson's book, even though I haven't read it, <laughs> I think that you know, and I know I'm primed to think this way because of the Project Beta and the people I've been exposed to. Um. That when something is admitted like that about a secret project, that it's invariably because this is many reasons. One, they want to just stop rumors and shut people up. Um, two, they want to create a story that people, you know, and, and create a story that people can can live with and say, okay, now we know the story. And two, and probably more importantly, um, spin the story, spin the real story, so that. Um, 
it can be, you know, it can be used for something else, maybe. Right. I don't know. Well, you you brought up something interesting too here. Uh, when I think uh, when you're talking about just Area 51 in general, and just sort of like this thing we saw this past year uh, with these like drones, it feels like drones and these exotic looking craft are becoming a little more open. They're at least like being a little more showing us a little more of these exotic stuff. Cause I, I put it on my Facebook page, like the headline story for CNN, uh, I think over the summer one day was that like this spy plane, I think it might've been a drone went missing and the picture was like an artist rendering and it looked like a black triangle craft. And it was like, well, geez, dude, like how much more do you need to see? Like that's how many, you know, yeah. How many countless people probably saw that thing or some of these crazy drones and like, and you know, haven't called them UFOs for like the last 15 yeah. years. Well, there's that Russian, you know, those Russian pictures and video for the protest. I think a couple months ago, people said, what the hell is that thing? There was something like with flashing lights hovering over them. Yeah. And they took video of it and the thing looked like a stupid drone. It was probably, they were probably taking video and, and film of, or video and uh, pictures of people that were in the protest. Right, right. And it was, the funny thing was, it was like totally obvious that it was out there and everybody could see it. So, you know, I, I don't know what cynicism is at work there, but maybe it's kind of like a big middle finger. You can do whatever you want. We're watching you. Right, exactly. I like, you know, that would be more unnerving than, you know, than anything. Well, I heard an interview with someone talking about these drones and stuff, and like part of it is like psychological warfare almost. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, some of the you know, the ones we know about are are kind of weird enough. What about the ones we don't know about? Exactly. exactly. I mean, I heard from I think it was from Walter actually from Walter Bosley that um, when he was in Afghanistan, he heard stories from people that had come from Iraq about something that would come in before the stealth fighters, and basically like one freak people out and two knock out a whole bunch of electronics. And then leave silently. Wow, interesting. And, you know, that might be a rumor. I don't know if it's real or not. But the, the the point is that the stuff we hear about is is old stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been being used for like the last twenty, ten, twenty, thirty years, and we just know about it now. So what the hell is going on that we're going to find out maybe about in twenty or thirty years? That's what's being used right now that that freaks people out, and it probably accounts for a lot of UFO reports. And and has been has been pointed out millions of times before. I'm sure that the government is happy for people to think that. And they'll go through the whole thing of explaining it that there was nothing going on and they didn't have any, they didn't scramble fighters and no, nothing showed up on radar and, you know, people must be seeing things. Fine, fix, confuse everybody. I mean, that, that's old story and it's been used many, many times and it still works. Yeah, exactly. They're happy for people to think that they're UFOs, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, I do. I did a um, lecture where I showed some of these drones. I just picked up the pictures off the Internet, and people were like, what the hell is that thing? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You'd think an alien was... was, was yeah, uh, and you look at this. It, one of us, the, the best one was, I can't remember what it was called, but it was these two counter-rotating helicopter blades. But that's all it was. It was like this body with these two huge counter-rotating helicopter blades on it. No fin, no tail, no nothing. Just like this kind of two or three, like, spheres, and the two, one on the bottom and the top had helicopter blades on them. Really strange-looking thing, but it flies fine. There was a, I had a picture of it in the air flying. Weird. And that's, that's open. I mean, that's available on the Internet if you look for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, two years ago, so what the hell's going on now? What, what, what's been developed? I mean, you know, anti-gravity, I don't know, uh, 
silent jet propelled somebody. I don't know. Right. It, it's it's far. It's even weirder than we can probably imagine at this point. And those are those are the big UFO stories of the year. So people who uh, are listening to this ten years from now, that's those are the biggest ones I could find. <laughs> what, did, what did we talk about last year that we that, that Nick and I just kept saying we don't care? I can tell you because I have the list here. Uh, last year we talked about uh, Stephen Hawking warning against contacting ETs. Uh, the Vatican astronomer wants to baptize ETs. Oh, yeah, I actually one. heard an interview now uh, with the guy who was behind that whole story, and he said it in jest, and then the media made a big deal of it. So, <laughs> so that that even makes it more interesting. Uh, there's WikiLeaks and UFOs that never developed into anything, really. Nope. Uh, the Chinese airport shutdown, as we talked about, didn't really develop anything. The UFO nuke press conference did not really become much. Uh, Leslie King. Uh, Robert Solis, yeah. Robert, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, what else that did not gain any traction in the mainstream? There's media. another cool guy. Robert Solis is a, like one of the nicest people, and I think he's I think he's experienced what he said he experienced. What it means, I don't know. He's got his own interpretation of it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, solid guy, nice. You know, one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Really smart guy. Right. Right. But the UFO nuke press conference did not develop in anything yeah. uh, that we can see now. Uh, Leslie Keene's book got uh, big attention. That was a bestseller, but that did not really uh, develop into much. Uh, the Denver ballot initiative that failed. That kind oh, of, uh, the Romanek thing? Or yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> I kind Is of, that who it was? Stan Romanek did that? Uh, I think... But it was another guy. It was another guy around Denver. Yeah, I forget his name right off the top of my head. Yeah, and then he wanted to build a landing pad outside of town or something. He was the guy that was on Letterman, I think. Yeah, yeah. So everybody could laugh at him. <laughs> um, we uh, we remembered Zachariah Sitchin, Jerry Smith, Bertolt Schwartz. Uh, we talked about the Emma Woods thing and James Carrion leaving MUFON. So those. Oh, were- okay. I, I think there's a lot of fertile ground there for talking. I think that you know, not caring about China, not caring about uh, that report, not caring about uh, uh, Emma Woods and all that. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think that's probably a. All people remember the controversy. They don't remember all the other stuff we talked about. I thought it was a great episode. So I did too. I, I liked doing it. Everybody thinks I went on and said, oh, "I don't care. Screw you, people. It is stupid. Get off my lawn, you damn kids." No, dude, it was awesome. Now I do have I do have a few other uh, stories here that I thought were worth mentioning that didn't sure. uh, didn't make the top ten list that I saw or sort of fit into these categories. The uh, we talked about this on your show, and I almost don't want to beat a dead horse, but this this story people should check this out. Uh, this story, I really should have watched the video again, but I remember watching it the first time. It was uh, there were like these orbs flying around the shuttle, and they couldn't do something with it, and uh, it was on the news, and NASA was like, "Yeah, there's these things that fly around the shuttle. We can't really." We don't know what they are, but they, we've been seeing them for years. Oh, then it's aliens. <laughs> exactly. But it was, I thought yeah, that was the most. George Tescalos on my site that says, I don't know, therefore aliens. <laughs> well, I thought that was like the best story of the year as far as like good, tangible, if you want disclosure, like here's NASA saying that orbs at least, they don't know what they are, you know. We don't know what they are either, but at least, you know. The ones in that video. Right. It's been in more than one, hasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. We'll have the link up in the recap, but I thought that was an interesting story, and we talked about it on your show, but, you know, just because there's some disclosure. When Grant Cameron was on my show, he was saying people are screaming for disclosure. It's already happened. Just people don't want to believe it. He's got a very good point. 
Exactly. So that like, goes to the government has admitted earlier. that there's you know unknown things and you know and uh, certain people you know, uh, there's disclosure people have brought people out from the military saying that there's things that they've seen that freaked them out and they didn't know what they were and were told they were aliens and all. Yeah, I mean, how much more of a disclosure do you want? You just need that big permission slip from uh, yeah the big permission brother. slip from the media where it's the the lead story for three days and all that yeah. So, yeah, check out the NASA orb story, folks, because I thought that was way under underappreciated, I guess you could say. It yeah, and they, they, what, you know, what does it amount to? I'm saying it's unknown. It's not like, you know, Adamski saucers with arms sticking out and waving. <laughs> yeah, they're just like little little dots. Yeah, little <laughs> dots flying around. You know, if anything, yeah. I mean, like, to go back to the analogy of uh, UFOs as birds, like, you know, those could just be like the pain-in-the-ass hummingbirds of, of the UFO family. Yeah, like, like even the aliens are like, we, yeah, they're just little fucking specks. They just get in the way, <laughs> you know. Like you said earlier, it's, you know, it's not. Um, it could be, yeah, like you said, it could be more than one thing, and we're only concentrating on one part of it. And and the government maybe only is concentrating on one part of it. There's a huge spectrum of stuff that falls under UFO. And, you know, it could range everything from aliens to other planets to Trevor Constable's idea that there's some kind of strange uh, living creatures living in the sky that aren't, you know, aren't the kind that we normally think of. Or Exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like... To, to interdimensional things, to, you know, all these things. Right, and, like, we assign also, you know, this, you know, to the overarching thing. There, I do think there's, like, this intelligence, but I think also that... We can't underestimate sort of like the District 9 idea, that there are some intelligences that are like, that may not be as like smart as us, but they just have abilities that we can't comprehend. Sort of like, <laughs> you know, like I'm saying about the hummingbird idea, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah. They're UFOs, you know, they're extraterrestrial maybe, or maybe they're just, you know, of the earth and we can finally see them. But they're just like some kind of bug or something that we don't know, you know. It's like, we just don't know. So. Yeah, yeah, or or D, you know, exactly of the above. Uh, the next, uh, the other story that stood out to me, I sort of actually picked this up in the last day or two, uh, and uh, so it, it, I would have I would have ranted about it on your show if I had seen it before then. Uh, was the excitement behind this Kepler thing, and uh, Friedman was really excited about it on my show, and and uh, having looked more into it and heard more about it, I am excited too. Just that it's like. Pretty cool that it's finding these planets. What I thought was interesting, this part I think you'll like, is that at my work they have like magazines at this little waiting table, and someone like refreshed the magazines by bringing in like year and a half old ones. So, yeah. so uh, there's an astronomy magazine from like May of 2010, so 18 months ago. Yeah, and it's like one of the articles, like right on the front, it's like the search for extra uh, for is intelligent life out there, right? So not even like that. So it was four pages. It was written by, like, some highfalutin astrophysicist, I think, in from Stanford. I guess if I can find it online, because there was a great line in it that made me laugh. Um, I scanned it, of course, looking for UFO. No mention of UFO or anything, because this is, like, astronomy magazine. But what I thought was interesting is, in the section on Kepler, he's like, it's going to take many years for Kepler to find an Earth-like planet, if they even exist. They found one, like, months later. Right, right. And I like to more than one burst out laughing because it was like the biggest news of the last like six weeks was that they have been finding Earth like planets. So it's like this guy. And I said to somebody where I work with, I was like, if he's so certain about this, like 18 months ago, and he's been completely disproven, like in short order, 
Like, you know, it just shows to show you that they're really just guessing about a lot of this stuff. They really have no idea. Yeah, and the other thing is what the planets they're looking at, they're, these goddamn things are hundreds of light years away, or maybe more like thousands. Yeah. They're looking at the planets from thousands of years ago. Well, and that's the other thing. You know, they don't exactly know that they, they're in the they're in the region where they would be where liquid water is possible, and that could be anything from you know nothing to microbes to things like us to things more advanced than us. But you know, we're looking at you know all, all we know is that there's planets that could probably that could support life because water liquid water would be possible on them. It's interesting as we talk about this though too that we talked about this on your show where we were talking about whether the government would disclose about ancient aliens and ancient artifacts to sort of get people ready mm-hmm. for eventual alien disclosure and you almost I almost wonder if well obviously this Kepler thing's part of our ongoing interest in space and learning about it and everything else I mean there's that going on Yeah whether you're interested in UFOs or not you any anybody'd love to know if there's planets that right could support life as we know it. Right, right. And I think also it goes to this idea of, like, educating maybe the public or preparing the public in a sense where it's like if if we can find the Earth-like planets out there and then we can find the planets that have the water and everything, then eventually when the whole alien thing breaks, we won't have to do all this explaining to people that, that it's possible. Do you know what I mean? Like, people, there's this whole, like, that's impossible. There's no planets that can... Have, yeah. Now that we found them, it's like, all right, well, that that's been eliminated now, so you yeah, don't have to worry about that. People, they were just looking for evidence of something they already knew was there. I mean, there's so, 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 so many stars and galaxies and all that, like, uncountable, that there's got to be other planets around. Right. And as a subset of that, there's got to be planets that can have liquid water on them. There's just, just by process of, uh, just by, by statistics. Exactly. Be. They just wanted, you know, proof that they could see, you know, get some sort of external evidence besides just, you know, the, the statistic probability. And, and they have that, and that's fine. And it doesn't tell us whether anything's coming from those planets or anything like that. I don't, I don't think they can physically do it. It's just unless they've they figured out a kind of physics that's at the edge of our understanding of physics, where you where you bend space so you don't have to travel across the distance. Yeah, I think they probably have that kind of. You know, or some kind of interdimensional. There are, if there are things coming from other planets and structured craft, then I can accept, you know, if that theory is valid, I can accept that they could do it. The thing I can't accept is they've been doing it so damn much. I mean, how many looks do you need at a planet before you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're going to buy the place or not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That, that, that's a, that's another stumbling block in this whole thing, the elephant in the room, where people say, well, well, they're coming here, and it's like, how many times do these things need to come here? Or are there just so many myriad places that they're, they're just all coming, you know, millions and millions of different civilizations are stopping by? I don't know, maybe that's true. It seems kind of, it, it seems kind of weird. And the other thing is people are like, why does it, why did it explode so much in the 1950s? It's like, it's like, because communication got a lot better. I bet people were seeing these things just as much as ever all the way back through history. It's just they couldn't tell anybody about it. That's a good point. I never thought of it like that because people always sort of tie it in with, uh, with the nuclear stuff. And I'm sure there is a part of that, but also that, yeah, that there was, there's been so much more advancement of media and, and communication that, of course, it's become more yeah. 
Yeah. I, I could have lived with a family of aliens, and you know, in, in 1632, out in the middle of in the steppes of Russia. But we would have never heard about it. Nobody's ever heard about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. Um. So yeah, that's sort of my my excitement take on the Kepler thing. But I, like I said, I think it's it serves a dual purpose to also sort of like get the you know the stick in the muds who are like you know. So there's still people out there that think planets like that don't exist. So it's like, no, they do, dude. So you can stop no, arguing that part. You have to be a, a complete moron, not to just by, like I said, this process of right, right. Well, statistically, they have to exist. Right, right. Well, it seems like a question about that, but I guess some people need to see the, you know, I want the proof here in front of my picture. You know, <laughs> pictures or it didn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that science did come around in recent years to the point now where, as you said, they were just trying to prove something they already knew. But it was, uh, you know, for the longest time, it was like pure up, straight up denial that it was possible. Yeah, and until somebody proves that we can bend space somehow, not just theoretically, but actually, then then that that that, that part will be, remain, you know, kind of yeah, out in the in the weird ether for a while, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, I, there's that great paper, what's it called, Inflation Theory Implications for Extraterrestrial Visitation, written by a bunch of people, including Bruce Maccabee and um, uh, Hal Putoff. I think I remember this article, yeah. Yeah. It's like a science journal, right? It's a science journal, and it's from a science journal. It's a scientific article, and I'm a dumb person, so I'm reading it. I've got to read it very carefully and read certain passages over and over to get what they're saying, and I can get, I think I can get most of it. And the upshot was that according to uh, M-brain theory, which means, which is basically a, a fancy or a simple way of saying multidimensional, I believe, um, if you have enough energy, you can get two places in space together and eliminate the space in between them, essentially, and move between them, theoretically. And they're saying if this is theoretically possible and is possible, then there could be extraterrestrials coming. And I'll go along with that. That's fine. Um, I don't think it explains everything, but I think it's a, I think it's a good argument for the ETH. Absolutely, yeah. See, we don't hate on the ETH. Uh, people think I'm all hating on the ETH. I don't. I, I don't eliminate anything. I just, like I said, if a bunch of people are standing there waving a flag, I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering if the, the, if this, if they're all diluted or something. Exactly. To go back to my earlier analysis, uh, there's many birds in the sky. Some are eagles and some are pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good time, I guess, in the year in review here to sort of uh, get to the wrap-up in a sense, which is... Uh, Every year we talk about this. I haven't gone back and listened to these to see how right we are, but maybe other people could tell us. But uh, And usually it's me who does most of the pontificating. But it's sort of like the state of the paranormal, where we're at, what's hot and what's not as we close the year out and get into the new year and stuff. And it seems like finally maybe the ghost thing is on the down. And what? I know. I feel that way. And I feel like cryptozoology is on the up. I feel like there's a Yeti mania hey. going on. Yeah, I think you're right. So, Lauren predicted uh, sort of a big boom in Yeti interest, and that's taken off really in the last few weeks. And I feel like, uh, the, and they have that show, Finding Bigfoot. It's sort of like the, the Bigfoot. I watched that show. Day. I laughed all the way through it. Yeah, I heard it's like, I heard it's, I haven't watched it, but I've heard that it's like, uh, 
there's probably a, it's it's got camp value, I guess you could say. Or there's a lot of people that watch just to laugh at these guys who. who are and it reiterates my my uh, was that your theory, secret? Uh, my theory that anybody that most people that uh, uh, most guys that research Bigfoot start to look like Bigfoot. <laughs> there's like three guys on there. One's this huge guy who has this big Mongo looking dude, and they actually use him as a uh, to, to show to a witness. It's like, did it look like this? And they have this big this big dude run across the road like big. Oh my god! And the other two guys have a bunch of facial hair, and they're kind of burly guys. I was like, oh Jesus! Maybe it's like you look more like your pets, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's it. A lot, a lot of Bigfoot researchers end up looking like Bigfoot. I don't know what the deal is with that. We went to the Bigfoot Museum in uh, Santa Cruz. We walk in the door, and there's a big burly guy with a lot of facial hair. Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> really, really nice guy. A lot of fun. Um, showed us a lot of cool stuff, but looks like Bigfoot, man. Uh that that is a, that is a fun show. It's you know the whole time it's like they're standing out there with night vision equipment. And I keep saying, "Did you hear that? What was that?" And then like five seconds later, the guy would say, "Did you hear that?" Oh God, yeah, it sounds like it's like ghost hunters of uh, of Bigfoot. <laughs> and they never find anything. And like, well, they didn't on that show. I don't know. Oh yeah, they they haven't found. I you know, it's sort of like no, it, it's it, be, it, it should be obvious by now. I think that that that, that they're. Not, not physical all the time. I don't think. Right. Or are they really they're really careful about burying their dead and their poops. Well, <laughs> I think yeah. Like I, I think that they possess some kind of ability that we don't quite understand yet. But I haven't completely given up on the flesh and blood animal part of it either. Which, uh, it, it, again, it goes to the birds theory because I've had I've had guests on. We've talked about this, and I think Lauren uh, talked about this too. Or it's just sort of like there's many different types of Bigfoot. Some, and yeah. amongst that mix are probably these paranormal Bigfoot. Okay, yeah, but the thing is, it's still people still haven't found any physical. Well, besides that finger that he talked about from from uh, Nepal. No, I think, got, I think that got disproven. Yeah, well, they said it was DNA. it was the, the DNA was human like or something. Oh, okay, so it's still on the fence. Yeah, so it's like, well, if you, there is a Bigfoot, what does human like mean? A Bigfoot is human like. Exactly. But, if you saw chimpanzee DNA, you would know that it's. After looking at it for a while, you would know that it's chimpanzee DNA, but only because you saw that, like you know, two percent that's not chimpanzee. Yeah, and because you have like a book that matches it up with the chimpanzee I mean, 2% DNA. Two percent that's a human. Sorry. Yeah. So. Cryptozoology on the up. Ghost hunting, I feel like, is on the down. Also in part because, uh, as we talked about at length on your show, 2012, that's the big on the up this year. Um, and I've said, I, I think you said 99% nothing is going to happen, and I'm at 90. Uh, so. Yeah, and that, that half, the half is divided, I think the, the last half percent was divided between something like, um, uh, uh, half of the percent is everything. Everything goes to, goes to crap, and and the whole world changes, and it, the, the poles shift, and all that. And uh, the other half a percent is what was it? I can't remember. Only half of that percent, I think, is, is something's going to happen. The, the rest of it is that. Oh, uh, the, the other half of that percent is it's a it's a nodal point at which uh, things start to change in some subtle way for us as a race. Not not you know tidal waves and and uh, and nuclear wars or anything like that, but a, a different way of doing things or looking at things or whatever. Yeah. 
the other 99% is nothing really is going to happen whatsoever except for the self-fulfilling prophecy of people that think something's going to happen. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I recommend I, people check out wrong, but our it, conversation because we covered that like for t- <laughs> right, like 90 minutes on your show, the whole 2012 thing. But yeah, I feel like the... As I said on on your show, just to bring up one point that people should be excited about, and sort of keeping in in line with this sort of uh, look, a meta look at the paranormal, is that you know by this time next year, 2012, will be figuratively and literally over. So yeah. we won't have the whole 2012 speculation uh, anymore. Or will be over. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, or yeah, or we won't be here doing the show. Yeah, so. besides, what the, what the hell is everybody so scared about? You know, if, what if we're not around? Well, then, if you if you think there's there's uh, the, the death is the end of things, so what? Exactly. If you, if you don't think it's the end of things, hey, there's more stuff to look forward to. Right, right. I don't worry about that kind of thing. It's like if we're going to get wiped out by an asteroid, you know. Yeah, and the other yeah, that's the other thing. If we get wiped out, then yeah, then we're wiped out. So it's, it's over. such a cool thing to happen. What do you think people would do? You know, I mean, everybody it would be like Omega Man, except everybody'd be doing. It. I'd be drive, stealing cars and driving around everywhere and <laughs> like Mad Max, yeah, uh, killing people and throwing stuff out of planes and crashing <laughs> them into, into, into their enemies' houses and all that stuff. Whatever, it, it would be. It would be totally exciting for about you know however much warning we had. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to have things get that interesting before they died? Exactly, yeah. You don't want to just, you know, (laughs) you don't want to just die, like, just out of nowhere before all this crazy stuff happens. Yeah. Um, And as I said, uh, yeah, since I figure people would listen to this down the line, too, you know, it's like the 2012 thing will be gone. Then hopefully more people will look at other stuff in the esoteric. I'm sure a lot of people will leave. I'm sure a lot of people will change change the goalpost and move it to a different date, but at least we won't have to talk about it anymore, which is, you know, pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I mean, uh, that, that, that thing will be out of the, yeah, that, that elephant will be out of the room. Exactly. Exactly. And, go, and like you said, there, there'll be a, a, a intellectual or thought vacuum, which will be, then be filled with something else, which we don't even know what it is yet, and that's exciting. Right, right. And as I express, I, in case this happens, I want it on the record, I do express some concern that, you know, 9-11 followed uh, Y2K, even though they're not related at all, um, that, that somehow, like, in the consciousness, there's going to be this bad thing is going to happen, you know, just somehow, in a way, I don't know, just a weird oh. feeling I have, <laughs> a thought, not a theory, not, not a, you know, not a prophecy or anything crazy like that, just like, yeah. you know, a, a sort of sinking suspicion, I guess is my best way to put it, that, you know, we're going to get through... The end of the mind calendar, fine, and then, boom, World War Three is going to start in 2013 because everyone's, like, blows off all the steam. They're like, well, we survived that, so now let's take over the world. Yeah, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's going to be a real bad year if you're a Mayan. <laughs> exactly, yeah. If, if, you're, if you're, you know, a noted author on the 2012 theory, uh, update your resume. <laughs> <laughs> My point was saying if you're a Mayan, meaning... They were looking at, that's their calendar. I, you know, I'm not a Mayan scholar. I don't know how to read the Mayan calendar. And there's, I know there is disagreement on when, what the end of the calendar meant, um, and the, the counting used and all that stuff. But I think they were looking at it from their perspective, from their point of view, not, not, uh, you know, and this was 700 years ago or whatever. What, you know, it's, it's like, 
do they figure out something in the in the in the ether that we don't know about? I don't think so. It's just the way they used to count time. Besides, has any has any prophecy of any of any import ever come true? Like end of the world prophecy? Never. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. So twenty. This one better. What's that? What makes this one any better? Because really old. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of things that are really old. Well, I was going to ask you. I meant to ask you this on... on saying the world's going to end. I mean... Uh... <laughs> yeah, they've been saying that forever. Well, what... It's, it's, it's I guess, different at the source level than Y2K. And I wasn't in the field when all the Y2K madness happened. But what, what, were the, what was the... I guess, what was the similarities and differences between these two, um, you know date phenomenons that happened. Oh, Y2K last was just basically based on just computer stuff. It had nothing to do with mines or anything. They just, right. the just couldn't handle it, and the infrastructure would break down because everything was based on um, the uh, not being able to count into the 2000s. Right, so it was more just like there's going to be technological chaos. Yeah, all the computers that controlled the the power supply and the nuclear power plants and all that were all going to go wacko and haywire and things would start blowing up and and it'd be Mad Max immediately. And of course, nothing happened. But right. that, you know, that wasn't that wasn't a big mystical Mayan calendar thing. That was just uh, that was a modern technological uh, 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 perceived apocalypse, I guess. Right. Right. Um, and then as far as big paranormal genres go, I'll also make this point uh, here at the end. Um, 10th anniversary of 9-11, I think it's safe to say the 9-11 truth movement's like a flat line, if not completely. There's a few diehards still in there, but it's just not, you know, walk away, folks. This is going to be the new JFK assassination. You're never going to get the answer about what happened, so... You know, I never heard anybody say it that way, but you're 100% right. I think it is a new JFK assassination. It's just not going to – it's probably far more complicated than you make it out to be with elements of what you think it is and other ones that not, not nobody knows about, hardly anybody knows about. But yeah, just like the JFK thing. Very, very smart thing to say, yeah. Thank you, thank you. And to, to take it further, actually, I was thinking about this after I said that, it even has the, it even has the Oswald. Uh, you know, this was the closure year of the 9-11 thing, you know. They they got Bin Laden, and they Oswalded him, you know. Yeah. Like, he'll never talk. He'll never say anything. We'll never get any insight into his role in all this. So it's left, it's, you know, you're or plunged you further in mystery. they told us they Oswalded him. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. That whole that whole debacle. But, you know, in a sense, on a, on a psychic level, on a, you know, on a sociological level, it's like, all right, they got Bin Laden, the 10th anniversary, it's all, you know, it's over. We, we've moved on. Yeah, that's, that, that's it. It's something that people, yeah, yeah. Get over it, dude. There's just not, why worry about it anymore? Right. So, Let's move on. So 9-11 is, uh, is kaput as far as the esoteric community, I think. And you only have to look at the Occupy Wall Street thing to kind of get that idea because, like, you know, you didn't see a lot of people sort of... There were no 9-11 truthers standing around with right. signs to occupy things. Right, exactly, exactly. Like that whole, the 9-11 thing really relied on sort of this like pissed off youth movement too, I think. I think yeah. that's under... under laughed off the street and told to leave because it has nothing to do with what was going, you know, that that, is, that was not the message. Right, and they'd actually probably be like, you know, people would probably be like, get the fuck out of here, man, you're... Yeah. Don't bring that shit over here. Like, just like you didn't see any UFO people in the Occupy Wall Street thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, pe that should show people what, 
the young and the and the disgruntled care about. You know, at this point, it goes back to like, forget disclosure, dude. I'm worried about a foreclosure. Like, people can't. You know, that's a Friedman just line. Make that up. No, 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 that's a Friedman line. I have to credit him with that one. Oh, okay, okay. Brilliant. <laughs> that's why he's ufology's great one. Uh, so great one, capitalized all three words. That's right. He's like the Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so yeah, the Occupy Wall Street thing kind of crystallized. You know, people aren't passionate about this anymore. As far as like this anger, this, it's, it, the I guess you could almost say like the 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 fringe people who normally would pick up this kind of stuff. They're they're getting into the into the Occupy thing, and they're also Kind of like how the, the Tea Party thing happened, and now we're seeing the the 2012 election is going to take a lot of attention away from people who aren't going to be able to turn their attention to the paranormal. So we'll, we'll I think that'll unfold a lot too. Oh well, yeah, anytime something big happens, the paranormal just folds for after 9/11. Nobody cared about ghosts, UFOs, psychic anything for like five six years. It just was not. It, it wasn't even on the table. Right. Right. So. You know, I, that's the middle of when I was writing Project Beta, but it, it, that became more of a political story. But the, yeah, it, it's anything like some, something like that happens magically somehow. No UFO sightings, at least no big, you know, flaps of anything. No, you know, and no developments in anything because no, you know, no shows come out about it. Nothing. No books because people are so worried about everything else. And exactly. The next, the next time there's a big uh, terrorist attack or. Any kind of real big world-changing thing, the UFO thing is just going to die again for a few years. It's just that's just the way it's going to. It's and, it, and I don't know why that is. I mean, apart from the fact that it's just it's not that important to begin with. But right, I think people probably I think the thing is still there, but it lends credence to my theory of we have to be there, caring about it and inter- interacting it to have it exist. Yeah, almost like the UFO phenomenon is like they're busy right now. Let's let them straight, straight. Yeah, or, or we stop paying attention to that thing because we're so worried about everything else. About you know how many how many times we have to take off our shoes before we get on the plane or whatever. Or you know, in my neighborhood, I live in a neighborhood where there's, there's a big Hasidic Jewish neighborhood right next to me. After nine eleven, what do you think I thought? So. It, it, it's just, it, it's a matter of, of uh, priorities, and if, if the priorities come up, I think our brains, the, the, our little receivers that, that receive this stuff start shutting down and paying attention to, to what we perceive as our survival. Right, exactly. And with the economy the way it is, and I think the election and the economy are still going to be yeah. what are on people's minds a lot, you know. They may yeah. use the UFO phenomenon and the other paranormal stuff as an escape, but they're really not. You know, it's not as important to them. I'd like to, I'd wonder that though. I mean, maybe you'd know this. Is it sort of like, does it sort of go with the economic ebbs and flows where like, yeah, I guess it must because things were pretty flush like in the 90s and that's when people were really into this with the X-Files and everything. Yeah. So maybe yeah, it I mean, does it, lend it's, that. It's, I think there's a direct, a direct, not an inverse, but a direct relationship to how good people feel about things. And if everybody's real happy and, uh, sort of carefree and everything's going pretty well, you can start, you can start looking at these, some of these crazy things that don't really have a, a, a very important bearing on your daily life. Um, I think that's why the UFO thing just stays and the paranormal just stays out of the mainstream is because it just really doesn't have a bearing on most people's daily lives. And so that's it becomes less interesting. And, if, and then if everybody's worried about something or concentrating on something else, it has even a less bearing on their lives. So 
it starts to get recede more into the background. I mean, I, that, that doesn't say, that's not some rocket scientist thing. That just seems to make sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's like, and plus, and listening, I'm sure. And and you know, and just it, and then you tie in the whole media thing, where it's like the media. They're distracting That's people. They, We're being told what to pay attention to. Right. And it's garbage. It's like Charlie Sheen and fucking Lindsay Lohan and shit. And like big, those like, you know, the, uh, the royal wedding and stuff. It was like, these things were like the big stories of the year. And it's like. Yeah, I think the, yeah, I don't think UFOs are that important, but I think they're more important than that stuff. <laughs> exactly. exactly. My opinion. Exactly. But like the media, you know, gets media. people thinking about this crap, and then UFOs gets pushed down to like fifth or sixth on their interest list, or eventually just pushed out where they're like, I don't have time to think about that. But what's on TMZ tonight? Yeah, you know. So, well, people don't want to be like, you know, yeah, average people don't want to have to spend time thinking about this. They got other problems. That's the. I mean, <laughs> I, I think the other thing is I don't I don't think you see people below a certain economic level at UFO conventions because. Because it's just not, you know, the, the the stuff isn't important to them. You see people that are retired that don't have to worry about where their money's coming from. I hope. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, and you see maybe like a few young people that are you don't know, have to worry about life too much yet. Yeah, and they have like disposable income and shit. Yeah, that makes. Uh, sense. And then uh, you know, weirdos like me and a lot of people I know that are either speaking there or just so obsessed that you know they can't help it. Yeah, or go to see people they know. <laughs> or see people, yeah, or just go hang out with and see people you haven't seen in a while. I mean, that's I love doing it for that. I've I've gone to conventions where I haven't looked at, listened to any of the speakers. I just went and hung out with people. That's the most fun of the conventions. Yeah, because nobody's speaking on anything I want to hear. The last time I did, I think I went to one convention where there was one talk I went to hear, and it was about uh, the, the couple of guys that had, police officers that had investigated the drone photographs. Okay, yeah. Well, especially, too, when you get, when you see some of these speakers and stuff, there's a good chance that you know them and you can have a conversation with them, you know, where it, it's like they're not presenting something, it's in a conversation form, it's more of a give and take. Yeah, you know, I, like I, with your I, show I, and my show and stuff like that too. Yeah, I go, I'll, I, I'll go see like you know, um, what? I'll, I'll go see Nick Pope and I'll talk, ask him what's going on and how he's doing and you know what's new with him and you know has have his ideas changed and all that or I'll see Rich Dolan and I'll, we'll we'll talk about you know his book and if he wants to be on the show and um his 19th century baseball team that he plays on in New York and all that. So Right, right. It's like it's much more a conversation is a lot more fascinating than a lecture. And yes, we're much more. we're extremely that's, fortunate that's, because That's why a lot, a lot of people go to those things, which is why when people try to talk to me, if I'm speaking, I don't just go, oh, I got something else to do. I will sit and talk to them because that's what I want to do. Exactly. Uh all right. Well, that that's pretty much it. I can't think of anything. I looked at you know most of the other stories are kind of silly. The flocculips, remember that whole thing where all the birds were dying? Yeah. Did you hear that it was probably the, the latest thing? Is it I heard it happen again? Fireworks. Yeah, I heard it happen again in that town, like the same day and everything. Oh, this really? Year. Yeah. Cause somebody yeah. said they found like in the field where all the birds died. They found a bunch of remnants of fireworks. Now, of course, a conspiracy person, oh, they're just trying to say that to keep you, keep you away from the real truth about whatever that real truth is. But apparently they found some fireworks, and the fireworks had made the birds panic and fly into each other, which sounds kind of weird to me. But, you know, how, how many birds panic and fly into each other? That doesn't happen to you. But maybe it does happens with fireworks. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Birds, they're weird. 
And it only, yeah, and it only <laughs> happened those the couple of times there. So you know, it, either it's a very strange thing that those birds just do there, or there was some kind of testing going on. They're trying to cover it up, or it was a bunch of dudes with fireworks that what? I think the the guy said that the. the, the it looked like they were set deliberately to freak out the birds and kill them. I don't know how they figured that one out, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? It's not story. that really big of an important story, but it was interesting for a little while—a nice little mystery. Yeah, it's like those weird old like Fortean uh, type stories. It's nice. Yeah, to, it's nice I, I to like get an old one. In type stories. I, in fact, I find well, Fortean includes the UFO stuff, which is why. I, if somebody says ufologist, I, I probably say no. I'm probably more like a forty, and I'm just really interested in the stuff, and I'm agnostic about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the safest place to be. That's what I say. Yeah. Despite what how people <laughs> you want people to fucking become card yeah. carrying members of some you know belief system. Yeah. The other the, the other story that I brought up on my show was that that ridiculous um, NSA extraterrestrial yeah. messages over the radio story. Yeah, should you tell that? Or should we, I tell them people just to go listen to this episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna put links and shit to it. But I, uh, I guess okay. but we can mention it. it the, yeah. the story came out in April or something that the NSA had released a bunch of UFO documents because they're online because they were tired of like answering people's FOIAs. And one of them was something to do with how to decode the extraterrestrial messages. And if you read the text of one of the things, the main one, it says, you know, for quite a while, uh, messages has been, have been received from some extraterrestrial source. We're trying to figure out what they are. And uh, here's a way of figuring it out. And it's like this really long, involved thing of assigning letters to the, to the pulses that were re- received and um, how, how they could be interpreted. And, you know, that's your first clue. It's like, you're putting alphabetical letters on a- alien extraterrestrial messages? What the? <laughs> And then if you look at the other piece that's in the uh, the much smaller one uh, online there at the NSA, there's a line in there saying, see if you can figure these out. And I looked at that, and I was like, wait a second. This looks like, this looks like one of those exercises they have, like, like puzzlers they have in Scientific American or whatever. Yeah, it's like highlights for the NSA. Yeah, exactly. It was basically <laughs> highlights for highlights for spies for yeah. little boys and girls spies. Is uh, it's just an exercise to for for cryptographers for code breakers, and and a lot of people at the time took it seriously. I think Open Open Minds Forum said, "Hey, wait a second. This is just some kind of exercise." Um, they they figured it out very quickly. I, I didn't. I just looked it up and started reading. I was like, "What? Really?" <laughs> and then about halfway through it, I did by, hey, wait a second, this is this is too ridiculous, and it, you know, it's 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 a puzzle. Yeah. It's, if if it was really, you know, that that's it was it was just way too obvious. If it really was extraterrestrial messages, it would have gone about it like that. Yeah. And it got very, very involved. I mean, to the point where you, you know, you have to extrapolate this and, and use a logarithm for this. And it's like, oh, God. I couldn't understand it at all. I'm just too stupid. But, you know, obviously it was a, it was some sort of a, some sort of a puzzle for. Did anyone ever decode the message? And was it like, congratulations, you get a free, you know, taco at the uh, NSA cafeteria? Yeah, it's, By it's saying this it, word. Yeah, it says the CIA <laughs> killed JFK. Congratulations. <laughs> you figured it out. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that pretty much wraps up the year and everything. Uh, the only other thing that crossed my mind just now was, you know, 
UFOs in 2012, I think it, 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 as with everything at UFOs, I think it all depends on, on who's behind it and if they want to do anything to, uh, change the, change the game. I don't think anything here on earth is going to change, uh, you know. I don't think so either. And I've said this before. I think the change is going to come in the way we think about things. That will be, that will change how the UFO thing is looked at and how, and maybe more of a key to what it is. And I think, and a lot of it comes from us and the way we look at things and what we expect and what we want out of it. And whatever the thing is, it's just there. And once in a while it comes over and tickles us in some way. And not in the way Whitley Strieber talks about. <laughs> kind of like your appearances on our show. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I didn't touch you in a bad place, did I? No, no, no. You're no. You're no Sandusky. Okay. <laughs> See, we finally got around to that. This, that's topical. Exactly. Yeah. See, like no one in 20 years, no one will get that. They'll be like, "What? What the hell is he talking about?" What but is it? And that's why you have to leave it in. I know. Oh, it's in there. Don't worry. <laughs> and. Uh, the, the, like I said, it's it's I I'm like firmly convinced after a while that, that um, we are a lot of the equation of the UFO thing, and we don't want to admit it or we don't no- notice it because we're so close to it. And once we realize that and figure out how that how that manifests, I think we'll be closer to some sort of answer about what the UFO thing is and what the source of it is and what's been causing all these reports and all these encounters and all these abductions and all these uh, fairies and elves and and and, and incubi and succubi and yeah, all the stuff I think that, that hooks into that where, where it's kind of at the edge of what we know and perceive and get a handle on. UFOs are just part of that that, that spectrum. Yeah. So, so there you go. Now that shows that I care. <laughs> and uh, what about 2012 for you? What do you have going on? Did you ever uh, release the information on the guy that you said you figured out who it was, or you thought you did, and you were going to write about oh, I it? Keep working on the article, and it, it, as I get further away from it, I'm like, God, I'm going to really have to like dig in and figure out when I found this and who it was. And Bill Moore is off the map, and I can't, I can't find him anymore, and he doesn't answer my emails. So either he's Either he's died or he just doesn't want to talk to me anymore, so that's not a source of information anymore. So I'm just going to have to go through my thought process and what happened with Bill and how I figured it out and put that out there because I have no real way of proving it. Um, and you know what? There you go. That's nice that you mentioned that. If I don't finish that by the end of the year, then I'll stop all UFO stuff because I think I – I've said to so many people, yeah, I'm going to put that out, and I just never did. And it, it's kind of almost a non-issue now, so. Yeah, I ask about it, like, every time. <laughs> every time. Yeah, I, so. that, that, that will be my goal this year, Tim. Thank you. I will, there you I will go. That article, and I, I'll either release it on my site or else I'll, you know, give it to 40 in Times or something like that. Nice, nice. Well, what else, uh, any projects you're working on that we should uh, know about? Well, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. I'm writing another book, and... When that happens, it'll be done. And I'm writing the introduction of Paul Kimball's book. Nice, nice. And, and I, w- I want to have a lot more people on my show this year from talking about different things. After listening to uh, uh, and looking at who you've had on for guests, the ones I haven't listened to from last year, I'm like, oh, God, I'm, I'm really, I've really dropped the ball here. I've got to get some new and different people on. Somebody suggested I should get uh, somebody talk about near-death experiences, so... That would be Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. I had a big uh, uh, interview on it, excluded middle, like in the third issue, I think. Nice, yeah. 
so that that might be an interesting thing. And the other thing was the sky quakes or the sky, sky is anomalous sky noises. Yeah, you were talking about that on your show. Weird, weird, like baffling, mysterious, uh, anomalous noises. Yeah, go go on, you know, anybody listening, just go on YouTube and start looking up anomalous sky noises or weird sky noises. And all these, like, cell phone videos and other videos come up of, like, just basically people's houses and, and, and countryside. And then, like, you know, if the microphone's good enough, some strange noise coming through. And, you know, maybe half of them are hoaxes or whatever, but it's it's not like the sky noises thing is, is anything new. It's been around forever. It's just suddenly now that... People have all these recording devices. They're recording them, and they're they're up. Somebody suggested Paul Devereaux, and I, that's somebody I always wanted to talk to. So maybe, maybe I'll get him on. Nice, nice. Well, folks can stay tuned at uh, RadioMysterioso.com, right? Yes. Nice, nice. And UFO Mystic Source still your hub? Yeah, I guess. But I, I write something there like once every month or two because it, it, unfortunately it, I had to write four times a week because that was my contract. And I wrote everything. I like I dumped my brain out <laughs> in, in like five years. I said everything that I wanted to say about the UFO thing, and then when I start writing something else, it's like, oh wait, I already said that. Right, and it's hard. I find it's hard to write and host a show because I used to write a lot, and then I started doing the show, and it was like the writing. You know, fell by the wayside. Oh, when my show came back. I kind of lost interest in doing the writing on on for the site. Right. It's like a com. It's like some kind of uh, connection there. Maybe because you you know you're on the show, you get to express your opinions that then you you know you don't think to sit down and write them because you said you already said that on the show, kind of thing. You know. Well, the, the thing I'm writing now is going to uh, be inclusive. A lot of the stuff that I've written over the last few years, just said in a different way, and with the latest thing I think about them and. Um, Do we have a title yet for this? No, no, no. There's no title. Okay. I want to make it a popular book too. It's not going to be a book for UFO people with like inside jokes and all that. I want the, the widest possible audience. Absolutely, yeah. Um, You'll never satisfy the UFO people anyway. <laughs> I don't want to satisfy anybody except myself. There you go. But the the, the what I'm what I'm finished with this project. I. I I don't know. Maybe I won't write any more UFO things. I, I have no idea. But it, it's basically everything that's been going on for the last, you know, 10, 15 years of my thought process, I think. Nice. Nice. And you're working on that this year. So uh, we'll look yeah, forward. Yeah, I've, I've gotten in a little bit further in that one. And nice. All right. So that I shouldn't have said anything. Now it's going to make me less likely to do no, it. No, don't say that. I'll take uh, Adam Rightly's advice. He said, just write something every day, even if it's a sentence. And he's right. That's true. I need to get back to writing myself. So, so anybody out anybody out there listening, if they want to write a book, just start writing it and then don't stop <laughs> until, until it's done. To the end, yeah. Well, we've uh, we've come to the end of this conversation, so uh, I can't thank you enough. Obviously, for coming back once again, and uh, you know, we talked for two hours like three days ago, and now we've talked for like another two hours uh, here, and we've uh, really put 2011 to bed. So what a gab fest! I know. I hope folks <laughs> enjoyed it. I hope they enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I, I think both conversations have been really thought-provoking and really. Uh, I originally remember one, our very one of our very. I think our very first conversation where you you said you know the UFO phenomenon is like this thought process or a thought puzzle or something like that. And uh, it's a, yeah, it's a, um, a thought uh, exercise. Yeah, thought. I, I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, a, a thought experiment. Yeah. And that's always sort of stuck with me, and, and, you know, I've always felt the same way, having really uh, processed that idea. 
And, you know, like I said, the, the, the two-hour show on Radio Mysterioso, two-hour show here, just a lot of, uh, you know, thinking about this and kind of going back and forth with sort of like, you know, well, what do you think of this? Well, what about this? Well, what if it's this, you know? And I, I find that refreshing and, and better than, you know, saying it's definitely this and here's why. <laughs> so that's why I enjoy our conversations quite a bit. And, uh, well, we'll be talking again in three months for the baseball special anyway. Oh, yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, hopefully someone will buy your uh, down-on-the-luck Dodgers soon. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe Magic Johnson will do it. He, he still keep making noises about it. Well, Joe Torre said he wants to buy them today. What? With what? I don't know. He's probably part of some consortium. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's going to be like, yeah. By I know committee. He, oh, no. Yeah, I know he resigned from his post at uh, Major League Baseball. Well, don't get him in there to, like, to break down another relief, uh, uh, closer. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, it's been great talking to you, and... Uh, you know, we'll be talking to you soon. Yes, Tim, I had a lot of fun. I always do. And, um, God, any, any, any time you want me to come on again and spout more, uh, opinions and, 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 uh, verbiage, uh, just ask. Absolutely, yeah. Well, as I said on, on Radio Mysterio, so I want to get, now that I'm getting more free time a little bit on my hands here, I want to sit down and really pick up Project Beta again and have you back on and talk about that because, like I sure. said, uh, it was only my fifth interview. Changed, so. I've written it, and yeah, I'd love to talk about it. All right, bro. Well, have a great 2012. We'll be talking soon. All right. Thanks, Tim. That does it for our 2011 Year in Ufology Jam session with our good buddy Greg Bishop. Big, big thanks to Greg for coming back on the show and keeping the tradition alive. You can find out more from Greg at the websites www.ufomystic.com and the podcast can be found at www.radiomysterioso.com. If you want to hear more of this conversation, definitely go to radiomysterioso.com and pick up the January 1st, 2012 edition of the show featuring nearly two more hours of conversation between myself and Greg Bishop about 2012 and 2011. Before we dive into BOA Audio listener feedback, first let's take care of an in-house note, a very good in-house note actually for a change, which is always nice here at the end of the program. What almost all of you probably do not know was that for all these years doing the program, I've been using an old 2003 computer to run the entire operation, not just the podcast, but also BOA as a whole, and my computer here has been just really old school in a lot of ways, and over the past couple of years, it's gotten just maddening how slow and out of date it had been, but I never really got around to upgrading until now, which is the exciting part, because over the holidays, I took advantage of those Black Friday sales and those really slashed prices and went out and picked up a top-of-the-line computer here for BOA HQ, and I can honestly say that the difference is breathtaking. A lot of the stuff that we do on the program here used to take quite a while on the old computer. For example, just to take out the phone fuzz for a conversation like the one you just heard that was over two hours, that would take me probably two hours in and of itself to do all of the tinkering with the sound files before I could even sit down to edit them. This new computer does everything about a hundred times faster. So what would take me 10 minutes now really only takes me 10 seconds. It's absolutely amazing 
and is thrilling for me and exciting. I can't wait to really dig into BOA here as we go on in 2012 with some tremendous firepower behind me now that we did not have over the last few years. And a lot of stuff that I've wanted to do has become quite possible once again thanks to this upgrade. So very exciting for me. I don't think people will notice a specific change right away, although I can tell you that episodes will definitely be coming out a little bit faster now. The operation will definitely be a little bit tighter now, and I did have to upgrade to a new form of audio software. Luckily, it's pretty much the same as what we've been using all along for BOA Audio, but there's some slight changes here or there, so there's going to be some little quirks that I'm going to have to get used to, but overall, just really a major upgrade for BOA in general. So hopefully you'll be seeing some improvements for the entire franchise across the board as 2012 starts to unfold. Now let's move on to BOA Audio Listener Feedback. We got three emails here. They're kind of short because I know we're pretty late into the new year to do the year in review episode. I want to get it out to folks here tonight, but we cannot ignore the BOA Audio listeners who write in. So the first email comes from David. No hometown listed. Here's what he has to say. Just discovered BOA and loving it. Keep up the great work and greetings from the frozen tundra of Scotland. Signed, David. Pretty simple, just wanted to read that one, just to give a shout out to another listener all the way over there in Scotland. Sounds like we're establishing a beachhead in Scotland between David and the emailer from the last edition of the program. I'll put the call out to David and last week's emailer. Find me some uh, esoteric guests for Scotland. I'd love to explore the paranormal of Scotland for sure here on the program. So if David or uh, last week's emailer, I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me, if either of those guys has some insights on who we should talk to from Scotland, shoot me a line, and I'd be happy to get in touch with them and develop a program around Scotland's paranormal lore. Next email comes from Eddie. No hometown listed here is what he has to say. I accidentally clicked the link to the classic version of the website earlier and found my way to the audio archives where the X-Conference recordings from, I believe, 2005 were listed along with the special session with Webster Griffin Tarpley. The links didn't work. Any plans to add those to the regular archives? I'd like to have a listen to those if possible. Anyways, I love the show and I look forward to each new episode. Keep up the good work and have a great 2012. Eddie. Thank you for writing in, Eddie. Thank you also for bringing these two omissions to my attention. The X-Conference sessions, that's where we kicked off BOA Audio from the very beginning. And yes, that was 2005. And the special session with Webster Griffin Tarbley, which came back as a lost episode and apparently has become lost once again. But we're going to try and get those back up at the website soon. I completely forgot about those. But I definitely want to get them out to people. Although there's a good chance... That now that we have this firepower behind us at BOA HQ, I will take all those smaller X Conference sessions episodes and put them all together into one large two hour plus episode because I think it ran only about three hours total, all that material, and we sparsed it out over a few weeks when we first kicked off this concept for BOA audio. Now might be a good time to sort of collate those all together and put them on as a special episode. So Keep your eyes peeled for that. I may do that in the near future, but I will definitely get those interviews back online in short order. And once again, thanks for bringing them to my attention, Eddie. 
I always appreciate when folks write in to let me know when things are missing or not working at BOA. Otherwise, I wouldn't know, because if I knew they weren't working, I would fix them. So the more folks who write to me and let me know about that kind of stuff is always helpful. Final email this week comes from an expat BOA listener, James, and here's what he has to say. I'm a fellow Bostonian living in Tokyo, Japan. I really enjoy your podcast. Keep up the good work in 2012. I hope the Mayans were high on cocoa leaves when they wrote their calendars, and we all live to see 2013. James. Another email from an international listener, although, as I said, an expat international listener. We're getting more of those folks listening to the program as well, and put the pushpin in Tokyo, Japan, my friends, because we've got a BOA audio listener establishing a beachhead out there as well. Thank you for writing in, James. Much appreciated. I agree with you. Hopefully, the Mayans were on something... Uh, strange when they wrote the calendars and we'll all make it through to 2013 i'm pretty confident we're going to be all right and hey like i said on the program here this week if we get wiped out we get wiped out and in the future the ancestors will dig up this edition of boa audio and laugh heartily at how foolish i was to dismiss the mayan calendar but i have a feeling we're going to be okay and hopefully this whole 2012 mania will lead to some good things for everybody in the world of esoterica and we won't be uh, made the fool too much by the mainstream media when nothing happens. So those are the emails this week, David, Eddie, and James. Thanks for writing in, guys. Much appreciated. If you want to be a part of future installments of BOA Audio Listener Feedback, here are the ways to do it. You can write to boaaudio at hotmail.com or go to banalofamerica.com and click the contact button. And the final method is to join up at the official BOA forum, the US of E.com, T H E U S O F E.com. It is BOA's paranormal playground, lots of discussion on the esoteric as well as pop culture. So if you have a foot in either of those camps, come on over to the US of E and join in on the fun. And, of course, I am on Facebook and Twitter, so if you want to find me on there, just punch in Benal, B-I-N-N-A-L-L, and feel free to befriend me, follow me, or poke me. It's all good, and I'd be happy to have you as part of my online circle of friends. Up next, let's thank the outstanding and esteemed BOA staff, Leslie, Chiron, Regan Lee, Jovi, Tina Senna, Rochelle Hawks, Richard Thomas, Marla Pena, Bruce Pretty, Tony Morrill, our contributing cartoonist, Andy Carolan, and our webmaster, Jeremy Boston. The BOA staff has been sending me a ton of stuff here to kick off 2012, so stay tuned to BOA for new postings from the BOA staff. I have still got to get used to some new changes on my computer here since we've upgraded, as I said, to now Windows 7, which is completely different from Windows XP with regards to a lot of the little quirks when it came to updating the website, but we're getting in the hang of it now, and hopefully these thought-provoking columns from the VOA staff will get posted in a more timely fashion here in 2012. Plus, I'm working on some big, cool things for BOA here in the new year, so stay tuned to Banal of America for all your paranormal news and opinion needs. Now comes the time in the program where I take my hat off and pass it around to the BOA Audio listeners and ask you to make a donation to Banal of America and BOA Audio. Before I give you the details on that, let me thank, and I won't name names because some folks wish to remain anonymous, but let me just thank all the great folks who stepped up to the plate 
over the holiday season and made some really healthy and helpful donations. You guys are awesome, and I really appreciate that in a huge way. For those folks out there who have yet to make a donation but would like to, here are the ways to do so. You can go to banalofamerica.com and click the PayPal button. That'll bring you to PayPal. They'll walk you through the process. If you don't trust the Internet and you want to donate via snail mail, you can do so by writing to Tim Benall, P.O. Box 232, Pinehurst, Mass. 01866, and you spell Pinehurst, P-I-N-E-H-U-R-S-T. So altogether, it's Tim Benall, P.O. Box 232, Pinehurst, Mass. 01866. And if you make a donation, please make it payable to Tim Benall and not Benall of America, because my bank will not cash those checks. And please include some form of correspondence so I can get back in touch with you and thank you for your donation. As always, no donation is too small, and all donations go towards Benall of America and BOA Audio to help keep the audio series and the website up and running freely available and commercial-free for all of our great readers and listeners the world over. Next time on BOA Audio, it is the third portion of our triumvirate of traditional episodes as we welcome back to the program for the 4th January around extreme explorer and world-class cryptozoologist Adam Davies for an update on what he has been up to in the past year. For those folks who have not heard, Adam Davies took another trip to Sumatra in search of the Orang Pendek and is once again tantalizingly close to proving the existence of this beast. We're going to get all the details on his 2011 expedition to Sumatra. We're also going to remember his expert guide, Sahar, who passed away just after Adam returned from Sumatra. Very, very sad story. Very good friend of Adam's and a tremendous asset in the search for Orang Pendek. We'll remember Zahar on the program and, of course, we'll deal with a whole bunch of other crypto stuff with extreme explorer Adam Davies. That's next time on BOA Audio. And on that note, we close the book on this edition of the program. Once again, big, big thanks to Greg Bishop for coming back on the show for our Year in Review Jam session. Thanks to David, Eddie, and James for contributing to BOA Audio listener feedback. Thanks to our good friend Pete Diggins for providing the theme music to this installment of the show. Check out his website, orophonic.com. And, of course, big, big thanks to all you folks out there, the hardcore BOA Audio listeners. I hope once again that you all had a fantastic holiday season. I can honestly say, and if you heard the Radio Mysterioso episode, you probably got that vibe from me, that I am just tremendously excited about 2012. I feel like it's going to be an amazing year for BOA and for the BOA Audio listeners and supporters. Thank you for your tremendous patience in 2011. Hopefully it will all pay off here in 2012 and beyond. You guys are the best, and you are, of course, the fuel that drives the BOA mothership. Thank you for your support of the program, and thank you for making BOA Audio a part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim and all, thanking you for listening and signing off.